Welcome to Week in Horror. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. The podcast that deep dives all the films you love. Gotta be fucking kidding. The week they dropped in horror history. We all go a little mad sometimes. With your horror hosts. JL. When a shirtless Sam Elliott with no mustache takes out a, an alligator with a uh, with an oar, that's the kind of movie I'm looking for. Eugene. And we're just casually just like, yeah, so that's probably the best way to go, light someone on fire with gasoline. Alex. It would not be an original lineup if I didn't have fucking technical <laughs> Johnny O. Now, it's not an Amityville. Or wherever it's Amityville. And Aaron. They, they got manure to work with and nothing grew from it. <laughs> News, trailers, trivia, special guests, and more. You're going to need a bigger boat. Live show every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central at YouTube.com slash Week in Horror. Welcome to prime time, bitch! And wherever you listen to podcasts. One by one, we will take you. Week in Horror. <laughs> Stay scared. <laughs> yes, double check to see if I was muted. <laughs> welcome, welcome, horror fans. It is Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. That means it's time for another episode of the Week in Horror Podcast. The only podcast where the reality is much, much worse. And if you, dear horror fanatic, are listening to us at the top of the week, remember we do this live every Wednesday right here on YouTube. Come hang out with us, see all the cool stuff, all the fun stuff that our editor doesn't want you to see because we aren't professional here, but we sound professional on all the podcast sites. Uh, this week, we are covering select horror films released May 14th through May 20th. Thank you all so much for joining me. Um, don't worry, I'm JL, but uh, Eugene should be along shortly. Uh, I think he got caught up in traffic, but uh, he should be here shortly. And uh, Eugene will be joining me and we have some cool stuff to talk about tonight. So much fun stuff. Oh, let's see, let's see. First and foremost, before we before we do anything here, here at Weekend Horror, let's put up our amazing Patreon banner, all of the incredible individuals who help us to make this show possible. Each one of your names is right in there, scrolling down there at the bottom. And if you want to be a part of the, uh, the Patreon family and have access to all the cool stuff that the Patreon members do, check out patreon.com slash Weekend Horror, and you can support the show for as little as a dollar a month. We do appreciate all those individuals who've been helping us, you know, help us to make this thing go because, and oh man, I wish the other guys were here. I really, really do because we have, because we just finished, uh, we just wrapped production. Eugene and Johnny and the crew and the, the cast of our latest production just wrapped. We have behind the scenes photos and videos coming out that are going to be available to all of our Patreon members. And then of course our patrons will get an early screening of the film when it comes, when we when, uh, uh, we finalize editing. So when uh, Eugene is all done with that, all of you amazing individuals will get to see that thing first before we do anything with it. So you get to see the fruits of your labor and see how your support has helped us. So we really do appreciate that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll do something fun there. Uh-oh. I see somebody's popped in here. It's not Eugene yet, but I see the plot hole is here. Well, Johnny hello. O. Johnny O has joined us. Good to see you. Hello, hello. So I'm hoping Eugene will be here. We'll pop in your shoulder because I really wanted to. I wanted to, uh, you guys to kind of give your your final thoughts on the uh, the fact that we wrapped that you guys wrapped shooting this past weekend. It was it was Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and you guys wrapped. And so 
what what do you want to what, what do you want to say about it? I don't I know I don't want to spoil anything, but what do you want to say? Uh it was a it was grueling. I will say that it was very trying. The uh production wasn't plagued by any means, but it was very tough. Uh there's some head spaces that you know we had to get into as characters and but overall it went great. I had a lot of fun. I think that uh, we've got a really awesome film here, and I can't wait for everybody to see it. Did we lose JL? He's muted. You oh, muted okay. hey, I, was, I was muted. My bad. Sorry about that. Uh, what is Eugene thinking uh, as far as the editing time goes? Uh, well, we still have a couple of shots to get, some establishing things, uh, but that's going to take like a couple hours. Okay. We'd have to schedule that. But I should have this sucker... Probably eight weeks, give or take. Awesome, Sim- awesome. Simply because I want to do it right. So you're editing it. Yes. Why would you think Eugene would edit? Gosh. Like <laughs> you don't even look at the you don't even look at the sheets. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, it'll be a collaborative effort. Uh, Eugene, I'll do the, the bulk of it with uh, Delaney as help, and then Eugene will come in and make his notes and whatnot. But it's always a collaborative effort, so yeah, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, t- a team effort. So I think he's going to be popping in here shortly. Uh, but it was a blast of a shoot. Um, we got to hang out there with the cast and crew. And I, I went down to Texas and spent some time out there. Did my best to stay out of the way because, you know, once the writer's job is done, he's really, the, you know, the writer's just there for moral support. See, unlike a, unlike a, like a television show, like a, like a steady television show that's working through a season where they will have the, they will either like to have the the uh, the department head like the, the head writer they'll have them like there on set while shooting in order to make clarifications or to punch out dialogue that's not working and to come up with stuff on the fly and they'll usually have individuals that are around that do that when a movie's done the writer's job is pretty much over so they pretty much move on and, but of course I like to be there moral support to you know like hey you know keep going you guys are kicking ass you guys are you know uh, doing amazing and they did an amazing job from the things that I saw, from the shots that I saw, and the special effects. I thought it was the practical effects, absolutely practical effects. Um, I think it was a blast. Um, without giving too much away, how did that scene that we all uh, wanted, how did that go? Uh, I think you're going to be more than pleasantly surprised. I haven't seen any of the footage. I, oh, I, wanted right. to, I purposely stayed away from all the footage, right? Because I wanted to be in character. Um, I didn't want to have any kind of weird influence from anything, really. So I stayed away from all of that shit and just concentrated on getting the shots. Awesome. Nailing the performances. Very cool. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Eugene to get here, let me run through this live chat and see who is here tonight. I see Travis Brown is here. Good to see you, Travis. Elizabeth S. as well. Good to see you. Raven Darkstar, thanks so much for being here. McKinnon Mitchell's in the house. Good to see you. McKinnon says, I love Spiral. I hate Spiral. The lines blur and all that's left is Spiral. I totally get what you're saying there, but we're going to get into it. I promise you. NANA is here. Good to see you, NANA. And, oh, there was you. There was Plothole in the chat. And then Sarcasm's here. So what's up, fellow fiends? Good to see you, Sarcasm. Thanks so much for being here. And Andy says, uh, Johnny, I'm grilling a steak. Was thinking about a mayo sauce. That's disgusting. He's going to go to hell. He's, he's going to go straight to hell. <laughs> Casey Cooper's here. Good to see you, Casey Cooper. Well met to you. 
Casey Cooper says, got my trivia prize this week, JL. Thank you. Well, awesome. That is excellent to hear, Casey Cooper. Be sure to jump over to the Weekend Horror Discord, and you can post up pictures of all the swag that you've won, either via trivia prizes or stuff that you've gotten from the store or from the After Dark when you hang out with if you win a trivia prize there. Pop on over to the Weekend Horror Discord and throw a picture so other people can see the amazing swag that we have produced for all of you. So this picture is always really, really cool. Um, let's see. Westside Girl Reacts is here. Good to see you, Mr. Malor, checking in. My reaction channel, just use a, yes, I use a thirst trap. Absolutely. Good to see you, Mr. Malor. Thanks so much for being here. Joshua Lee is here. Good to see you. Um, it says, uh, hey, everyone, let's see. Such polar opposites this week. Yes, yes. A very, It was very kind of off kilter this weekend. It, it was odd. Very, very strange. But sometimes that's what makes it fun. You know, it really does. Travis Brown says, gee, is the guy so afraid of me they cannot be on the stream? That's a good question. I don't know. I'm I'm here, so I guess that kind of ruins your thought process, Travis Brown. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Raven Darkstar <laughs> says, still haven't seen nail gun. How Why is not? that how is that possible? We've I mean, that sounds uh-huh. That sounds like a you problem, Raven. <laughs> We've done so many screens. Tell you what, we will do another screening of the nail gun short over in the Discord. We'll do another screening of that, and I'll, I'll make an announcement so everybody can see it. And you can pop in, you can check it out. So, absolutely, Raven, we will make that happen. We definitely. It's will. worth your while. It really is. It is. Donnie does that. Good to see you, Donnie. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Um, oh, what was this? Uh, oh, Josh, Josh Lee's feeling a little bit out of the weather. I hope you're feeling better soon. Um, yes, I do provide immoral support, subjective immoral support, sarcasm. I absolutely do. You have no idea, sarcasm. <laughs> Aaron Reese is here, says the rumors of my demise are sadly untrue. Aaron's hanging in there. He's kicking ass, taking names out, um, out east. I got that Star Trek reference. The rumors of, me, of my demise are sadly untrue? Are greatly exaggerated. Well, that wasn't the quote. Oh, fuck your mother. Close enough. All right. Let's see. Man, where's he at? Oh, there's Clive Wells. Good to see you, Clive Wells, with the obligatory ghost. We do appreciate that. And don't see Eugene just yet. I see him in Discord, so he'll be popping in here just shortly. Well, I want to get his thoughts. But first, before he jumps in, we'll keep this train moving. We have a bloodbath coin toss to do this month. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that bloodbath stuff. <laughs> oh, who are you? Who are you? Who is this? You and Angela, right? I uh, I don't think this is me versus Angela. Angela, I think this is me versus. Um, let's see, Aaron. It was, it was you versus yeah. It was you and me last month, right? And I think this is this might be Aaron. I think it is Aaron. I think this might be Aaron versus me. Yes, Aaron. Aaron is confirming that it is. It is Aaron versus me. So, I have the bloodbath coin. Unless uh, you have one, Johnny. I do not have a cool bloodbath coin. And I can do the flip, so I can do the coin toss and determine who gets to choose from uh, the month of May from our selection. So the selections are Art the Clown from Terrifier versus Sammy or Samhain. From or saw when, depending on how you pronounce it, from Trick or Treat. 
demonic serial killer Halloween based uh, soul collectors is what they're described as. Pretty so, much. Yeah. So Aries is less dance, bitches. You got it. Oh, and I see some uh, some uh, fresh faces here. Good to see you, Fred Edges. Thanks so much for being here tonight. I do appreciate it. All right. So, as usual, from the this is from the Texas Frightmare Weekend, Texas Frightmare Weekend official coin. So the let the uh, the words on the back are the tails, and the state of Texas on the front. The the Texas Frightmare Weekend logo is of course the uh, state of is the is heads. So. All right, here we go. I got to make sure that I'm on screen. So here we go. See? Nothing. Yeah, no cheating this time. All right, here we go. So flipping the coin, and I won last month. So I get to pick. So I get to choose. So, spoiler Tails. alert Tails never fails. Fucking hell, it's heads. That's because you don't believe it. That's that's what it is. That's true. I, it's because I you doubt it. You did not speak it with conviction. You even stumbled. You said tails. Oh, tails never fails. You can't fool it that way. It knows. Tails knows. Okay, how about this? Tails never fails. Oh, son of a bitch! It was tails. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, son of a bitch! It was tails. <laughs> Uh, you gotta be. You have to be convicted. All right. So, um, yes, Aaron Reese has won the bloodbath coin toss. So Aaron Reese will get to choose who he wants to take in this month's bloodbath. Will he take Art the Clown or will he take Sammy from Trick or Treat? Let me know, Aaron. If you want to let me know in the live chat, I'll write that down and then uh, I'll, I will take the opposing uh, the opposing villain and we will see who wins in a uh, bloodbath to the death. And I see Sarah Velas is here. Good to see you, Sarah. Thanks so much for popping in. It's been a minute. So glad you're able to pop in. Aaron Reese says, you will feel the wrath of the Celtic god of the dead and his sharpened lollipop. He's taking Sammy. Awesome. Aaron is taking Sammy, and I will take Art the Clown. All right. This is going to be a good one. I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. All right, so oh, Jeremy Duncan's here. Good to see you, Jeremy. Says bleepity bleepity bleep bleep. Good to see you. Thanks so much for being here, bud. And uh, Eugene is here. So finally, what's up, everybody? So Johnny gave his final thoughts on it. Just rap production. I came down there and visited for a little bit, and of course, you were you were the final boss. You were helming the entire project. You were running a mile a minute trying to get that bad boy done. Uh, you know, before I, I haven't released any behind the scenes stuff yet, I'm still putting it all together. So what, any final thoughts now that we have, uh, now that you've wrapped production? Um, I mean, first of all, like it's always, it's always fun on set, but definitely glad it's done. And now obviously get to the editing part and see how it's also to come together. We got great performances. We've got some great shots. Uh, we got some killer prosthetic effects that, uh, yeah, some really, really gnarly stuff that I think y'all going to enjoy. Um, and it, it all came together and the crew, um, they put their heart into it and it definitely shows. So it's good. It's going to be, uh, I think, I think our audience is really going to like it. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, there were definitely some exciting shots that I saw taking place in there. We don't want to spoil anything because there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, some excellent practical effects, so I can't wait to see how those all come out um, after it gets all edited. And we have a final cut, 
So seriously, seriously looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So and hopefully, because we've been shooting overnight, so hopefully be able to sleep soon. What is that sleep you speak of? I don't know. <laughs> I drank four had... Red Bulls last night, and I still haven't slept. You haven't slept since? Day. No. Oh, wow, dude. That's wild. So I'm hoping it'll finally wear off. Well, when I got home, because I had a five-hour drive, so I got home, uh, so I left the shoot and immediately went gassed up, got road snacks, and just got on the road. It's a five-hour drive for me. From where we were, it was about five hours. It was about five and a half hours. So um, I, re- I came home, and then I was, and then I had to stay up because I had work to do. I had you know, a bunch of prep I had to do. So I got all the prep done uh, that I uh, had left. So uh, there were some things I needed to finish up, some, some other stuff. And then I, then I would sleep, but then I only slept for like four hours. And then I was back up again. And then handle the dogs, do the morning stuff. So you know, wasn't gonna, you know, the real life wasn't gonna let me sleep in and, and take a break. So I'm still, I'm running on just a couple of hours myself. It's funny how that works out now. That it's like it's like the sun comes up, everybody's like, nope. And you're like, but I, I've been up all night last night. Right. And body's like, no, it's eight o'clock. You're supposed to be up. It's time to be up. Lay down at seven. You're supposed to be up. Yeah, I laid down for like half hour, hour, and it was just not worth it. So, yeah, at at that point, you feel worse afterwards. Yeah, yeah, you need that restful sleep. Oh, let's see. Oh, got some uh, some, uh, some new people here in the live chat. Ida Pimp, you to hose here. Good to see you, Ida Pimp. Says hi, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Do appreciate it. Jeremy Duncan says, spiral is torture porn. Uh, we're going to get into that. We will get into that. Um, but zombies is his favorite subgenre. Awesome. Because we have a zombie movie, although I wouldn't say the movie is awesome. We're going to, but we'll get there. It's Sally a movie. Skell- uh, it's a movie, yeah. yeah. Sally Skeleton is here. Says, hey, folks, good to see you. Sally, thanks so much for being here. Um, Aaron says, did Eugene die on set and finish the film as a revenant? You. The jury's still out on that one. Exactly, yeah. It, it could be either way. Yeah. <laughs> Vera Lucia Campos is here. Says, Greetings to all. Good to see you, Vera. Thanks so much for being here. And Sarah says, drink plenty of water and do some altered states and make your room into a deprivation tank. That's the dream one day. Like, hands down, always want to try a sensory deprivation tank. Because I, I heard it's amazing. I've done I've done the float, I've done the float tanks before. And it's it's pretty, they're pretty cool. It's very relaxing. All okay. right. Okay. So, I know I had to kick everything off, but we do have everything uh, scheduled out. So, um, normally it was, it was, I was going to give the intro to Johnny, but he took his sweet time. So, Eugene, you want to kick us off? One sec. What? <laughs> what is he doing? I don't know. Anyway, Charlie Welch is here. Good to see you, Charlie. Says, yo, everybody, good to see you. Uh, Welchie, the, uh, the only man on the internet you ever make a bet with. We're so happy, he, uh, happy you're here. And Aaron Reese says, uh, when you reach a certain age, waking up from a nap feels like you just crawled out of Guantanamo. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Things, things, you know, pop and creak that did not used to pop and creak. Very funny, Aaron. You're a very funny person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what he said. He's being mean. He's trying to hurt my fifis. I know I'm a big guy. 
So are we about to kick this pig off or what? I think we're about to kick this pig because Johnny's doing his thing. <laughs> Johnny's doing his thing. I, you know, he's obviously involved in something. Let me pull that. And yes, feel free because uh, you've got this next one. Then I've got that. Then Johnny can come in when he's ready to go. So yes, uh, Eugene, kick us off. There he is. Yay. There's that beautiful face. Where? Oh, no, no. Behind you. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. The yeah. one under the awful dolphin's hat. This one here? okay so first we got night train to terror released may 14th 1985 roll it bring up the horror tv i I forgot how to read for a second you know how to read (laughs) i've never (laughs) learned to read (laughs) that true yes all except the reading part I got to say, that was a shredding solo, so. Yeah. <laughs> it was a shredding solo. <laughs> oh, man. It's one of the most fun trailers that we've had. It was. That song, break right into song, man. Fucking hell. Just straight on to the night terror. Aaron Reese says it's like terror train combined with night train and passed through a hobo's anus. Wow. <laughs> I call that a soup kitchen. <laughs> hey, Chris O'Kearney, good to see you. Thanks so much for being here tonight. Uh, let's break this one down. All right. We got Night Train to Terror, directed by... A lot of directors, James Salzberg, <laughs> Cohen, John Carr, Philip Marshank, Tom McGowan, and Greg C. Tallis, starring Joan, John Philip Law, Cameron Mitchell, Richard Mole, and Mark Lawrence. And I mean, basically, in a nutshell, that's it in the case. You just you have a lot of basically a shit gets real on this one on a whole <laughs> number of of levels on a variety yes on a variety absolutely on a on a variety of levels i will uh i will say this the okay for for everybody who is wondering who everybody's wondering in the chat this film is is really bad but the <laughs> but, in, but in my in my personal opinion Wait i don't know i don't I do know have to interject it. when jl when JL's the one who says something is really bad yeah. on this show, you know it's fucked. So I, but, but okay. So I will say that Winter Beast is still worse. Winter Beast was still worse than this. What kind of and bar is that though? It's, it's an extreme. I mean, it, it, essentially the bar is buried at that point. But the, <laughs> the thing, the thing about Night Train, the thing about Night Train to Terror is that Night Train to Terror is bad for the reasons you don't anticipate it being, for the reasons you wouldn't expect it being bad. Um, yes, it's a Z grade, it's a Z grade film. And yes, it, you know, it's the classic, you know, it's bad acting. It's, you know, yeah, haphazard writing and a lot of technical issues. Yeah. The editing is all over the place. The jump cuts are all over the place. In fact, there's a lot of, a lot of really weird continuity issues that are so obvious in the film. You would wonder how this even made a final cut. Like, how do they even do this? But that's not the reason things are bad because those, that's all shit that we expect. We expect these things. Okay. The reason this thing is bad is because it was an experimental, uh, an experimental film that the directors, the combination of directors, and because uh, this is all written by one person, it wasn't like each story was written by an individual by by an individual writer. It was Philip Jordan who wrote the entire thing, and 
who is, and Philip Gordon has a pretty solid, a pretty big history going all the way back in, you know, back into the golden age of Hollywood because he was born in 1914 and he was a screenwriter through the 40s, 50s, and 60s and did some production. And he even worked as a front for a number of blacklisted writers back in the day when Hollywood would do that to people. So it's a legendary writer. I mean, who wrote when they would do that to people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so a legendary writer wrote this thing and then multiple directors were brought in to direct each take. But the problem was is that the film itself was so there was so little money that it was a it was salvaged by utilizing footage from other movies that never saw the light of day that was then pulled together, Frankenstein into this monstrosity, and then all linked together by this train car where this party's going on where they play the same fucking song for over an hour. So over and over and over again, it's the same goddamn mix, and they never yeah. lose any of their enthusiasm for this song. It was an ex- it was an experiment. It was an experiment in filmmaking, and unfortunately, did not go over well. It, you know. I mean, to say that it didn't go over well is it's like saying getting kicked in the golf or getting kicked in the golf, getting kicked in the face. I'm fucking tired. Getting kicked in the face with a golf shoe kind of hurts. <laughs> <laughs> This is more of a when we talk about missing the mark, there is no think, mark. I was gonna say, yeah, I don't think there was a mark they had. They kind of just said maybe this would be funny, or maybe this would be cool, or maybe this would be scary, or maybe this would be kind of cool. And they just fucking like threw everything they could into this big bucket and just started grabbing shit out and put it in places. And it didn't work. So yeah. so pulling up the history of this of this fucking movie. So Night Train to Terror was created utilizing salvaged footage from three other films. I saw that somebody else pulled, pulled a, pointed it out here in, right. the, uh, in the live chat. And so it's really the first a story, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The first, the first one, the case of Henry Billings, um, was about the guy who gets like, you know, brainwashed into like, you know, killing people for the, you know, this organ farming, you know, business. What it was, it was, this, that's the one with Richard Mall in it, which really surprised me because I was like, well, fucking Richard Mall. Holy shit, you know, because, you know, he's the lovable, you know, bailiff from, from uh, Night Court. Night Court, yeah. We know him from a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, oh, so yeah. that film was pulled together using footage from an unfinished film called Scream Your Head Off, which was directed by John Carr. The second one was originally a feature film titled Death Wish Club, which uh, had a number of working titles, but that was originally another film entirely that was brought in for this one. And the third one originated from an unreleased film called Cataclysm, which was shot back in 1980. And then and, and it also had alternate working titles, but never saw the light. So this is stuff that never saw the light of day. And we're pretty much grabbed and pulled together and put all into this whole thing. And the only thing that I dug about this was the, the attempt to try and do this kind of Job situation where you've got God and you've got Satan in the train car. There. It yeah. kicked off. It, it, it actually kicked off very interesting to me. I was kind of like, oh. had they had they just taken that and then shot a movie around that idea, that would have been at least cohesive and it would have made sense and it wouldn't have been this weird hodgepodge of shit. I could have gotten behind them. Like, okay, at least they had that going. But it's like they took what you said, these three other films, and then tried to interweave this weird fucking narrative. And this super jamming song. No, it's like a long. It's like a really bad music video. Yes. Yes, I get the same the same kind of feel that it would jump in there. Not to mention, at least you know the uh, the, the the claymation didn't bug me so much now that I've been through Winter Beast claymation. 
So like the claymation monsters and shit, and you know the the it was such a tonal shift to go from the live action to that. And you know there there was a lot of there was a lot of effort trying that that went into this to try and make something coherent. But unfortunately, this is I think limit limitation by just not a lot of money and a little bit too ambitious mm -hmm. for their abilities. Just kind of like we really wanted to do something big, and we didn't have the money to do it, and didn't have the you know the the tools to do it. But man, we're going to go for it anyway. And, and apparently, we don't have the film to do it, so we're going to take three other films and do it. Yes, that, that's why okay. I can't. That's why I can't say it's like oh man, it's ambitious or something. It's just the fact that like you're not even films run out of money, but you're not even close. Yeah, it's not like a oh man, we need like two more shooting days left or three more shooting days to get this climax that we need, and we ran out of money. No, this is like if they needed a hundred thousand dollars for a film, they got a hundred bucks. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just went with it. Yeah. I think that they could have, I, I, I think that this thing had potential. It could have possibly been done a lot better. Um, I would have loved no, to. No, 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 no. It most certainly could have been done a lot better. Absolutely. But they didn't. They put that shit out instead. Right. Raven Doctor says claymation. I thought it was CGI. Yes, mm -hmm. it was 1960s CGI or 1970s CGI. Is what also known as claymation. claymation. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Lee says I had a feeling that the guy who sung the song was related to the director somehow. The movie just was just an excuse to plug the song. That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. Casey Cooper is saying it was bad as praising it. You see, I get what they were trying to do with the juxtaposition of this song and with what's going on, and it just didn't work because there was no real narrative that was established and kept through the entire fucking thing. Had they had, like, if you look at uh, Requiem for a Dream, right? I don't fucking like Requiem for a Dream, but at least they had an established narrative that they broke up with that game show. Yeah, whatever. I don't give a fuck. I'm sorry. I didn't like the movie. I thought it was stupid, but. And Jared Leto's a terrible actor. Yeah, I fucking said it. Anyway, if you look at Requiem for a Dream, they have the narrative. And then interspliced with that narrative is the game show. And it worked, at least to keep the cohesion and add the confusion they added is the confusion they wanted to add. This was like, hey, we got this catchy song. We get a catchy song in three movies. And let's see what we can yeah. do. Right, yeah. And I think it was... It, I, you that's know, why I'm torn. that's why I'm torn on the film. I'm torn on the film because I really liked where it went. And then unfortunately, there were so many technical issues. It was hard to really focus on any kind of cohesive narrative itself because there's so many weird cuts. Mm -hmm. And there's and oftentimes there's moments where you have actors who are like speaking dialogue to somebody else. And then you don't see the other person. It will cut yeah, away to something entirely. And yeah. you hear their dialogue ADR'd in. Right. And then it'll cut back to the person having the conversation, almost as if there was nobody there. They were just having, they just had stand ins and the yeah. actors weren't available. So they, it's almost like they were just grabbing and not only grabbing from different movies, but grabbing from different time periods when stuff wasn't shot. It's like, oh, this and this, and we'll grab this over here. And, and then it, it's so ramshackle. Right. And it, it jumps so much to the point that you have continuity issues like people's like hair has grown longer. Yeah. And, or or people have cut their people have cut their hair and there's yeah. like wait a minute that, that doesn't follow from the previous shot. We'll, shot. See the, we'll see the thing is is that I don't think they had the raw footage from the three films. I think they had like whatever cut they got to, 
And then they have to work around that because it's like, and maybe in the original in original film, a scene ends. So they just have to cut that because that, that's right. it. That's all they got. See, if they would have four-roomed this, they, they could have made this work. But instead, they tried to make all these three different movies the same movie, meaning the same narrative piece. And it just doesn't work. Fucking right. four-room that shit. And then there you go. Voila. You have an anthology that works much better. As far as like Z grade films go, there's there's obviously much better. I mean, this could have been entertaining if it wasn't for all the 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 ridiculous technical issues that were going on. And yeah, somebody brought up um, and Josh really brought up in scenes where you see the mouths moving, there's no audio. Where, you know, they would drop in stuff in order to try and make you know, like force their narrative over footage that was not supporting their narrative. Mm. And it happens a lot. The, the technical issues abound so badly is it really take, it almost takes the kind of Z like the Z level fun out of it where you watch it for the last, you, you know, like riff tracks could do a thing on this. Well, even they might be hard pressed because the, the film is just so technically problematic that it kind of takes you out of that fun. So any joke you would make, it just kind of falls because everything just jumps and is so jerky and so stilted. It's, you know, it, I don't even know how this thing saw a release, which is wild, unless it was solely done for studio tax purposes to get this thing done and get this thing out so that they could write it off as a loss and, and make it happen. I mean, look, that's actually a pretty good business model there. You take three films that sucked, that are right. not sucked, three films that were not finished that you couldn't afford to complete. You put it in with this fourth narrative and then you can write all three of them off as a giant loss. It works. Exactly. Yeah. At least, at least recoup something because you're not going to finish those other three films. At least do something with them. But mm-hmm, even right. going back to, like, say, the technical issues, can you think of three films, three completely separate films, completed, scored, everything, that you can cut into one film and actually make a cohesive story with no technical issues? Oh, fuck no. No, it can't be done. Um, no. I don't know. I think... Well, okay, hang on. It depends on if these three films happen within the same universe. Like, if you took it, it depends on what your definition of coherence is. So, if you take, for instance, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you could cut all three of those into one cohesive narrative. You can't, you can do it. There'll be some, you know, you'll have to worry about awkward like time jumps and whatnot and big portion there's gonna be a lot of quick expository bullshit but you could do it but could i take i don't know uh nightmare on elm street um and hellraiser and evil dead put them all together those three no probably not probably not i mean it would be much better than what the fuck this was but yeah it probably just can't be done it, it just yeah, you're right it can't somebody actually did a they took the star wars prequel and cut it into one film so it's like two and a half hours hmm. and much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are your three acts. You got the fucking Phantom Menace as opposed to being three hours of roll call. Uh, <laughs> you mean yeah. you don't need a 30 minute pod race? I mean, who knew? Uh, and then you got, you know, Clone Wars, which just get to the fight part. Fuck all the sand course and gets in between your toes and shit. Don't fuck that shit. Get rid of that dumb shit. And then you have the birth of Darth Vader. Perfect. Yeah. But are softer than sand, my lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George sorry. Lucas, sorry, you had a great idea. <laughs> I can't, you know. Whereas Hayden Christensen did not give the best performance in that role. Um, not a fan of his acting choices. I can't entirely blame that on Hayden Christensen. When you look at a script and the script says 
go on a five minute diatribe about sand. Like what the fuck are you supposed to do there? Listen, when you take Natalie Portman <laughs> and you make her look like a local B list actress, yeah, that's not yeah. all. That's, that's not, not all acting. Yeah, that was <laughs> hard. That's very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> I see. Jeremy Nuggets says seven, eight, nine cut together would have made sense. Ah, that's possible. I can see Jeremy, that. Any of the witchcraft movies, in fact, you would need to stitch together all sixteen to make a single worthwhile film. <laughs> Even then, I don't think it would be worthwhile. <laughs> Sarcasm says uh, certain Night Train to Terror is a brilliant tax tax dodge worthy of Trump. Um, I could see that. You know, it definitely would really be a tax dodge. It would really be more of just to write it off as a loss for the for the company. Like the corporation would be like, we you know, there's a certain amount of, a certain amount that we can write off at the end of the year for our taxes as far as losses go. And that yeah. would be an investment that they lost on. They and they would and J Johnny's right. They'd be able to write off three films in one yeah. by saying none of these worked. We'll just take it as a loss and just write it off. Or you know, write it off at the end of the year. Well, Which, essentially, you could put in all those budgets into those, and say, boom, we spent fifteen million dollars yeah. on this and lost. So, and then and of course, see, oh, oh, go ahead. And see, I'm curious if they finagled it. So when you had because recently they had the Batgirl movie that they taxed write off, so that yeah. when you ever tax write off, you can never release it. So it could be a loophole where you can actually get the tax write off for the three films, put them in one technically have it as like a new ip as a new That's film true. and then release that and then write that off again yeah i know how i'm making my money wait i'm kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> dirty pool dirty pool j says oh shit it's wednesday already yes it is j good to see you thanks for popping in here sir i Cab thought it was says, thursday <laughs> sir cab says puppet master and howling franchises both made terrible clip chimp movies too yes they did they did yeah. and well oh, oh, oh wait hang on a sec i will say the howling did it and it was fucking terrible because that's all really the Howling had to work with, especially Howling 7, because it just utilized shit from 4, 5, and 6 in order to make that narrative work. And then you've got... Um, garbage Day! Oh, gar well, Garbage Day was really I kind of like... Deadly Night was just was a like retelling. It was like 1.5. It was yeah. just, yeah. And just, you know, the story told from the perspective of the brother. At least they shot all the Insane Asylum footage. In the that. new stuff, yeah. But Puppet Master did, I thought, did it, they did the same thing, and I think it was Puppet Master uh, 4, was it 4 or 5? No. No, I can't remember which one we talked about. No, it was Retro Puppet Master. Retro Puppet Master did that, where all, where all the action literally takes place between two people in a basement. About the, between the the girl bounty hunter and the guy who owns the puppets currently, and it's literally a rehash of like movies one through seven, and they just the the like the like like a highlight reel from all of those from all of those films. But that one worked for some reason. I don't know what Charles Band did to that, but for some reason well, that movie fucking okay, worked. This is a reason why it worked because the only reason why we watch Puppet Master movies is to watch little puppets murdering people. That's it. Or, and Puppet Master's like, hey, I got an idea that'll get its clicks and views. And it worked. <laughs> you do them, it's cheap. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most of us already shot for you. Well, Hour and a half movie, and I only need four days to shoot it. Yeah, buddy. There are definitely better anthologies that are out there, um, especially around this time period. There are better horror anthologies. We've talked about a number of them here on the show, and of course, better Z grade films. Um, this one does have its cult status, I think, because it is so terrible. Um, but uh, I wouldn't I, necessarily say that this has a cult status more as it has a 
I'm a professor of cinematography, filmmaking, script writing, etc. I'm going to show you exactly what not to do. Yeah, what, what not to, or give you a business lesson on what to do. On what to do? Because all you have is a bag of shit. Don't worry, you're still not out of the game yet. Right. <laughs> so actually, I want to ask the audience, what do you consider is the best Z-grade horror film? Not B, but Z-grade horror, like the bottom of the barrel, cheap effects, bad acting. What is the best Z-grade horror? We're, we're talking fucking Ed Wood, Neil Breen, fucking bring it on, just, just scraping it, just through the barrel. <laughs> what's, that, uh, what's that new Tommy Wiseau movie? Uh, 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 oh, Big, Big Shark. Shark. Sure, <laughs> I still have. I still think that the best, the best of the best, is still going to be. Um, it, oh shit! Now that I'm thinking, now that I'm really thinking about it, I'm torn. Plan Nine from Outer Space or the Beast of Yucca Flats? Anything that comes from outer space. You think Plan be. Nine has to Beast be. of Yucca Flats? Wow, dude! I mean, I mean, all, all love for Tor. All love for Tor. You know, he was a fantastic character actor, big hulking, you know, you know former wrestler. Oh, I'm Tor. But yeah. still, wow, that was terrible. It was just... <laughs> we are talking about Z films. I think that goes without saying. Yes. Yes. Uh, Sarah Bella says Plan 9. Uh, Sir Kevin says Insert Asylum Title Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sally Skeleton says Attack of the Killer Donuts. Awesome. Awesome. Travis Brown says Mono's Hands of Fate. One of Jeremy my personal Duncan favorites. Says, <laughs> Jeremy Duncan says Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Um and then I think I saw. Oh, and Anna said Night of the Lepus. Aaron Reese said Killer Sofa. Wait a Killer minute. So Wait, hang on a second. We can't. We can't put Night of the Lepus as a Z grade film because that had, that had Bones McCoy in it and it had yeah. giant fluffy bunnies. Okay? That's, like, you know, that, that's B grade. See, Night of the Lepus. Is yeah. B that's like Kingdom of yeah. the Spiders because Kingdom yeah, of the yeah, Spiders are... is definitely B. That had Shatner. Yeah. So right. That had the Shatner fighting spiders. I mean, you can't. Mm -hmm. That's B grade automatically. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you look at when you look at the budget of a Z grade, the entire budget of a Z grade fifty film bucks is, is yeah, it's like a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so you're looking at shit like like fucking like like Thanks Killing or like Evil. Blood, yeah, yeah. Because if, if you look at uh, the scene in Manos where the cops show up and they're supposed to be like hear a scream and start start looking around, they only had a budget for one light, one. So they set their mm -hmm. one light up. And yeah. the cops pull in, and they can't look anywhere because there's one light. So that's why the cops get out, hear a scream, look around, and go, "Oh, that's it!" And get back in the car and drive <laughs> off. That's amazing. <laughs> they couldn't uh, even fire, they couldn't even fucking afford a grip to like walk the light with the cops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Aaron Reese's Killer Sofa. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. That at least has B cult B status because Killer Sofa at least had production value. Uh, yep. Joshua Lee says Beast of Yucca Flats. Absolutely. Jeremy Duncan says killer condoms. Hell yeah. Um, anything, anything all? with Aaron, anything with Aaron Brown, aka Misty Monday. Any any of those, definitely Z grade horror films. Um, Jay Burr says Amityville in space. I couldn't even finish the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh Andrew Rivera says Chud. Awesome. Rodan Los Angeles says deathbed, and I wouldn't uh, deathbed, and uh, I actually wouldn't agree with Chud either. Chud is B because Chud is up there with like humanoids, yeah. humanoids from the deep, and other like creepy, you know, like gooey monster flips. So. Yeah. And then uh, Jeremy Duncan says rubber. 
Is rubber Z grade? I wouldn't. I wouldn't really consider rubber Z grade. Like, I would I would, it- like, like rubber would be a solid, like a B grade. Like, I mean, it's it's like a B grade. Z grade, you have to think cheap. Yeah, but cheap. Not, yeah, not like oh, not like obscure or like how absurd the premise is. Z grade is how cheap is. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, Sir Cavs has got to throw out Lamageddon. Lamageddon's a maybe. Lamageddon's a maybe. We're is hovering around like the the this definitely lower end of the alphabet. Lower end, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joshua <laughs> Lee says Velocipaster. See, like hmm. to me, Velocipaster wouldn't even be uh, Z grade because a lot of it is intentional. Like, yeah. yeah, they had a low budget, but they they used it to their advantage. A Z grade film is like a film called The Little Touch of Satan, where a gate opens up and it hits the camera. And they leave <laughs> <it>. <laughs> because That's they can't afford to reshoot. <laughs> they had one take, and that was it. Sarah Vela says Terrorvision. Ah, I got to say, Terrorvision is probably a B one as well. Um, that's a low B, high C. That's a low B, maybe high C. What about Tammy and the T Rex? The thing is, that T Rex was so bad, though. <laughs> 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 Fucking Denise was writing. <laughs> oh, man. It's good stuff. So Those are fun to so, look at so and laugh rough. at. Oh, Aaron Reese says rubber had decent enough video quality to put it above C grade, and and it actually had something to say. The the film was in it was in extreme. It was it was very satirical, and I thought it, I thought it had an excellent narrative as to a com or an excellent commentary on the industry in and of itself, and uh, not only the industry but also on what the industry thinks of audiences. I got to give it that. Um, I will also say that anything done by JM. <laughs> yeah, that, that that one is. Did I show you Eugene? Did we watch that zombie film of his? I yeah, it's over like the paper. forty minute zombie one. <sighs> the forty minute that should have been forty seconds. Yeah, where it's she's like in a basement for yeah. ever, forever, forever, yeah, forever. He doesn't know how to put together a movie with a with a. He doesn't. It, no. Uh, that was just bad. But definitely let us know what your favorite, uh, what, what the best, what you think the best C-grade horror film is down in the comments below. Please comment on uh, on these uh, these little live streams we have because those interactions help with the algorithm. And let us know also at weekendhorror at gmail.com so that Alex can have some reading material while he is dealing with Shitting. four kids at home. Now, while yeah. he's reading. I will tell you the cheapest, in terms of Z-grade, I'll tell you the cheapest effect that I've ever seen. It's in a film called After Fall Season that came out in 2009. Complete money laundering thing. It starts off in a hospital room, and they have an MRI, except they built the MRI out of notebook paper. Nice. That Okay, hang on a second. Good, that it? takes some balls. Yeah, no. They basically a notebook with lined paper, uh-huh, and they yeah. taped it together and you can see the lines and everything that and that was a crime machine that takes some balls man nice. like you know what fuck it we're gonna build this out of <laughs> wide ruled we don't have enough wide ruled college we don't have enough college. <laughs> both types of paper Rodanella's <laughs> uh, name says rubber got an inanimate object to act better than real actors in most z movies agreed it really yeah. did uh hey facty good to see you thanks so much for being here tonight 
And then Angel Rivera says, is that is the is that the zombie movie where the zombies uh, with, where Eugene draws them with elbows on his phallic appendages? Um, <laughs> I found a new one, by the way. Oh, nice. <laughs> every time, every time. <laughs> and Sarah Vela says, "Carnosaur." Uh, it's Roger Corman. I got to give it B level status because it's Roger Corman, and at least had at least. Come on, Carnosaur ended with an alien style fight between a T Rex and a uh, what's the? It wasn't a forklift, but it was like a like a like a cat, you know. So you had to throw, you had a fight between the T Rex, an alien style fight between the T Rex and the construction equipment. So I got to give it that. Um, Casey Cooper says, I, th- I can't think of anything worse than Night Train. That you didn't watch Winter Beast, good sir, because Winter Beast was the worst. Yeah, but that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, Rodan Lassam says it was a bobcat. Good to see you, Rodan. Uh, Gabba oh, yeah. Gabba to you. It was a bob, it was, it was a T Rex versus a bobcat. Bobcat, yes, amazing. All right, let's jump on to this. That would have been cooler if it had been an actual bobcat, like a little kitty cat. <laughs> <laughs> short tail, just eats it. Short tail versus short arms. Yeah. Who wins? I cannot reach you. <laughs> All right, jumping on to our jumping on to our next film. We're gonna go a bit, a bit uh, not that not that not that far long ago. It's just a couple of years. Um, Ooh, you better not spoil it. I don't know if there's anything to spoil in this movie, but uh, released May fourteenth, twenty twenty one. We have uh, the film Spiral. Let's check out this trailer. Can I just say that if somebody sent me a threatening message with that voice, I'd probably just laugh and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Spiral, uh, also known as Spiral from the Book of Saw, was uh, a horror film directed by Darren Lynn Boozman, written by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, and starring Chris Rock, which was a, a big surprise when this uh, movie got announced. And then Max Magnella, Marisol Nichols, and Samuel L. Jackson. Plot twist. That's the real reason why Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the film itself follows, uh, obviously, you know. Oh, Annie, uh, Annie, look at that. We had the same thought at the same time. That's <laughs> funny. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the film, to, to put it in a nutshell, the film follows a group of police officers as they attempt to stop a, what appears to be a jigsaw copycat killer. Um, the executive producer of this not only is Chris Rock, but also Lee Wannell and James Wan, who were the veterans who originally created the entire series. So I, I, I will say this. I was pleasantly surprised by not only because at this point, because obviously with, with like nine Saw films. Things were getting. There's only so much. One well, things had already been stale. They'd already been yeah, stale. Yeah, they've been, been stale, stale for a minute. Like six movies. But I was quite impressed with the reinvention here. I thought it was a little too forced. I thought it was a little too. Um, I'm trying to think of the best word for it. It just seems like this movie didn't need to be made. It really didn't. Even though this is a reimagining, we've already seen, without spoiling anything, we've already seen every single twist that happens in this in the nine other films. Every one of them. So it's like, this is kind of boring. This is retreading the same shit. It's what happens to every single franchise that goes through this thing. They just have to retread territory and try to think of a different way to see it, a different way to, to, uh, to present it. And this one here, it just it just fell flat. And I wanted to like it because I like Saw. I like the original Saw. Didn't like all the bullshit that came after it. But 
I just didn't like this one. Um, I want to be like, Chris, dude, I appreciate your enthusiasm for the horror genre, specifically this character, but go back to doing Grown Ups 3. <laughs> have a good night, Aaron. Aaron's going to step out. He's going to get some sleep. Uh, have a good night, bud. We'll see you in the next one. Um, I I don't know. I, I like the fact that it was kind of cool to find out that Chris Rock is a Saw fan. And that he really wanted to take a new avenue in his in his career, which is why he went into horror. He was like, I want to do a horror film. He felt it would be kind of interesting to go in that direction and do something that was outside of his wheelhouse. Comedy is what he does. He's been doing comedy forever. And he's done a few dramatic roles. But he wanted to do something, you know, really outside of that. And so there was kind of a meeting. Uh, from what I understand, it was a chance meeting with the head of Lionsgate when, uh, while attending a wedding is what ultimately resulted in this movie being produced and, you know, Chris, Chris being able to bring everyone together to make another film. And I felt it was, I felt it was definitely much better in both writing calendar, both writing quality and in acting uh, capability than the last like three or four saw films. So some of those had moments, but in this one, I like that we got to break off and do something of different than the continuing uh, conspiracy thing that you know that kept getting larger and larger and more insane and more elaborate and more, more crazy. That's completely ridiculous. Yes, and it was just getting more yeah, it, it, at a certain point, at a certain point, you know, it begins to break down from a logic perspective. Yeah, at a certain point you have to ask yourself what cop isn't involved with Jigsaw. And Fuck so now, on. but I like this kind of breakaway some time has passed, and now apparently a copycat has arisen. But then of course there's more details that come out in the end. Which I felt, which I think tie it into the universe itself, but it still kind of also stands alone as a little bit of it, it still has the ability to stand alone on its own. It's kind of like these were this, like the story here was inspired by the events that took place. And so those events became so like a serial killer inspiring the inspiring the actions of other of other individuals. So mm -hmm. that's why I really kind of I I dug this one. Plus, I really fucking loved Chris Rock in this role. I gotta say. He his performance was much better than what that trailer let you let you believe. Right. That trailer was terrible. That was a terrible trailer, by the way. It's way too long. It does not highlight any kind of inspiring performance from Chris Rock. Uh, it, it just was bad. That movie. If I if that were the first thing I saw about this movie, I wouldn't watch it. I'd be like, fuck that movie. I'm not gonna look at that thing because it looks terrible. Not to uh, not to mention the trailer. It gives so much. And that's the thing is like I'm sick and tired of trailers doing that. Like was like, well, I've already seen I've already seen the film. They picked bad spots out of it. Um, I've been over the Saw franchise for a while. Um, I just really <laughs> have. I, I like the first one. I think the second one's decent. And then it kind of just kind of checked out at this point. And to the point where even the, the even the traps are so ridiculous, where you yeah. have like the subway. And how are you gonna rig somebody up? And nobody noticed. No one noticed. And how often does the subway go through there? Yeah, right. The, and, yeah, I think that the trap, the trap where the, the the two guys and the girl were like in the box, in full view of the public, where they each had to pull oh, the deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. they had like, a saw in the middle. Yeah. Right, and I was like, I was, and I was sitting there looking at like what the what the because because it, it was like it was like yeah they pull it at themselves or push it at the other person depending upon like who loved the girl but the girl fucked them over and so they both just kept it in the center in order to uh, to kill her. The to, the to think about it like that's where it kind of broke reality. Was like really in a public space in yeah. like this open area. This whole thing was set. It was like really 
Cal- he was like, come on, guys. <laughs> and yeah, nobody saw anything. Like, how do you get the giant box there? How do you keep have them inside yeah. that giant box? Not there? to like, mention get all this. Yeah. yeah, all these fucking saws in there and power that shit. I mean, who's not going to fucking notice all of a sudden? This weird power drain. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Someone just unplugs it. Trap yeah. over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking pulse. <laughs> Movie's over. Movie's over, buddy. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, really. Uh, Hello? Uh, <laughs> just turn the phone off. Oh, yeah, day is oh, safe. Movie's oh, over. Geez, yeah. No, like I said, it, it, the, the whole thing about the Saw franchise, just in general, I mean, and Spiral kind of suffers from this, but Saw forgot what made the first film great. And it's just like they got it. So when you watch the original Saw, it's about the story there. There's a good story, right? You have a good plot. You have two good subplots and a couple of the micro plots. Everything it just works. And then like, oh well, let's make this all one big giant collaborative conspiracy. But really, what we're going to focus on are all these stupid fucking traps that just are completely unrealistic. And the twists are going to be just, we've got to up the stakes and make this a bigger twist. Next thing you know, it's going to be the fucking president of the United States is Jigsaw. Who, I mean, it's like, for fuck's sake, can we stop this ridiculous shit and just get back to the basics? Tell us a good story. And the thing is, is leaning, getting away from the franchise. Because what, what was like the collector was originally supposed to be like a, a Saw mm-hmm. film? Yeah, and the yeah and it was like well it's like you can still use the idea of traps there are other franchises that have traps right and put people in situations like that so it's like come up with something original come up with a new killer like the collector and then you can just go from there well, I mean, so yeah, I mean, take a look at the original, look at the collector, look at the original Saw film, look at those traps. How many of those traps are super elaborate? Like every single trap you saw in the original Saw film, that's not something that would take some weird, crazy thing to do. You know, you I'm going to a couple mechan- of guys. Mechanical, you wouldn't have to be a mechanical engineering like savant. Right. Like, you know, like, yeah. like prodigy in order to exactly Saw 1 or even Saw 2. Saw 2 was pretty basic as well. It essentially was button pushing or you know, yeah. pull, like pulling a trigger or like pressing a button. It was really, really simple, simplistic. Right. Um, but by the time you get to like Saw Five or Saw Six, you've got, especially like with the with the you know you know recipes Chester Bennington, the Chester Bennington one uh, with him oh, stuck in the car, yeah. and it was like what? And, and it was like, like three people attached to this vehicle, and it's yeah. like what the shit, man. <laughs> uh. So, but I, I will have to agree. I will agree with Angel Rivera. It says in my Angel Rivera says, in my honest opinion, Spiral had a good plot. I enjoyed the plot on this one. I enjoyed a. It had a different energy than the other Saw films. I, for one, was pleasantly surprised. I went into it with very, very low expectations. But I and while the trailer does blow, the, the, and while the okay, I'll say this. Yes, the trailer is not good. It could have been a better trailer. But and while the trailer does show some of the bigger moments. What makes a Saw movie, especially with the with the uh, the traps and everything, and the, the kind of gruesome nature of, of what's going on, is the finer details, the nuanced details. You see a bigger picture, so you don't get the full scope of what's happening. Yes, you see Sam Jackson all strung up, like, uh, but what is exactly happening to him, you don't realize. You don't know from the trailer. Or what exactly, when the guy gets hit by the subway train in the very, very beginning of the trailer how was he trussed up? Because that was a particularly nasty fucking trap. Well, uh, you know, the, the way he well, was the done. Thing it, is, so. is, 
it gives so much away because you see Samuel L. Jackson being like um, in the trap, but that already tells you so much because you know, oh, well, he got kidnapped. Oh, he's going to be put in this elaborate trap. The subway one is fine because the subway one is like in the very beginning. You don't know who he is, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can show that in the trailer. But things like main characters. So now I'm watching the movie going, I wonder when he's going to get kidnapped. Yeah. And the problem is you can't, Shaft isn't going to get kidnapped. That's some bullshit. You can't do that to <laughs> the Shaft. Only thing, the, the only thing we can take down Shaft is a giant shark. That's the only exactly. thing we can take down Shaft. <laughs> exactly. He's least expecting it. Yeah, when he's least expecting it, when he's giving, when he's giving it, when he's giving the when big monologuing, yeah. <laughs> when he, <laughs> the only way together. to the, the only way to get Sam Jackson to catch him monologuing. That's why yeah. he doesn't monologue anymore. He never. Oh, <laughs> I thought he was a on a plane. That's right, exactly. There is one. I thought that almost got him too because it was like he started to monologue the whole. I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. But that was it. He stopped. He's like, oh, okay. No. Like, uh, you, and you're that's learning. I, and that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I I still dig this one. I dug this one, and it goes to show that the the it has a there's a very unique nature to the franchise. And well, I think that obviously where I think it, it kind of fell off the rails was Saw Four. That's when things started getting really wild. Then we got four, five, six, seven, and and it was just getting wake. Then we got like eight, and then uh, Jigs, and then Jigsaw. I think. Yeah, all those films. That's when things got off the rail. That was just feeding the torture porn frenzy. It's like people just wanted bigger and more gruesome and more nastier traps. Um, but I did. But I dig the overall yeah. the overarching narrative. I liked Tobin Bell as the bad guy, and I liked. I think he created a very very. I think he created an icon in his own right. Obviously, the Jigsaw Killer is is a horror icon now. Um, ultimately, I think <clears throat> that the underlying narrative of what saw is doing can be transposed in a number of different ways to keep the franchise fresh and i think spiral was chris rock's chris rock's attempt to do that which is why it felt so much better than the last like five fucking films that we got it's like wow okay we finally went into a direction that we needed to go into and we got a little bit of injection did it save the franchise no i'm not gonna say it saved the franchise but i will say at least they did something good with it this time and not just the formula as to what they anticipated. And Spiral was still a relative success at the box office, which is why we're getting a Saw 10. Just stop. Yes. Just stop. Are we, we going are getting, are we going? Is it Saw in space? We are getting a Saw X, uh, otherwise known as I know. I know what the one trap is going to be. It's going to be a trap that goes in the esophagus down to the stomach that explodes out like this and goes, meh. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, uh, a 10th standalone installment tentatively titled Saw X will be coming out. I believe it's scheduled to be released October this year because I write a new movie. If it's October, it is uh, time for Saw. You know, it's obviously that's the whole gimmick. Is like if it's you can hear the excitement in my voice. Yes, Yes, I can. I absolutely can. But that's what I want to ask the audience. I want to ask the other watch Pan's Manos of Fate number 12 and Saw 10. Will you? uh, Okay. yeah, is this is uh, I want to ask the audience: Is it a yes or a no? Fuck on no. So, is it a hard yes or a hard no, or maybe a weak yes, weak no? I know on Saw Ten, just a yes or no on this. Do you support it? Do you like it? Do you want to see it? Will you go see it? Will you just like no? You're done with the franchise. Let us know, of course, down here in the uh, live chat, of course, in the comments below, uh, where those uh, interactions help with the algorithm, and then of course at weekendhorror at gmail.com. 
Andrew Rivera says, Saw X, Freddy versus Jason versus Freddy versus Billy. <laughs> In That's space. the only way it makes any sense. Yeah, in space. You forgot in space. Yeah. In space. In space. Absolutely. <laughs> if Sir I had Kasman 10 cents, it would all be down. Sir Kazan says, time to lay Jigsaw to rest. Uh, Travis Brown says, hell fucking no. Josh Lee says, hell's to the no. Hard Bella says, hard no. I was done it too. I was as well, uh, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And Raven Darkstar says, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, I did. Cash grab at this point. It's all it is is a cash grab. I did like it too. The the whole thing. The kid was in the safe the entire time. I I I, that kind of got me. I was like, oh, because all of us. I know all of us were so telegraphed. It was so telegraphed. telegraphed? Yes, absolutely was telegraphed. The kid was in the room the whole fucking time. The whole fucking time. It was so telegraphed, and not even like subvertly telegraphed. I feel like if you didn't see that coming borderline personality of it. I was into the I was into the film. It, it caught me by surprise. What I did. It? I liked I liked the second one. The second, I thought it was good because yeah. that was the, the what it does the whole dun 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 dun, dun and you realize yeah, yeah. oh he fucked you from the beginning. All you had to do was sit there and fucking talk to it, him. Well but yeah there's one thing exactly what he told it's exactly what he told him to do number one and number two whenever Shawnee Smith showed up I was like oh well she's an accomplice obviously She's obviously an accomplice because there's absolutely no reason for her to be here. And that bullshit, well, I had a relapse. Like, fuck, get fucked. No, I'm not buying any of this shit. It was just so You didn't make it out of a fucking reverse bear trap to have yeah. a relapse. A relapse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jeremy Duncan says they could kill it off for me if they added Brie Larson for the first only ever female action hero, Jennifer Lawrence. I'm not sure what he's trying to say there but um they're talking about fast and furious movies oh they're talking about fast Fast 10 fast 10 which is quickly uh, hiring everybody from the mcu which is which is hilarious to me uh sir captain said yes it was telegraphed i guess i just was i was involved in the movie yeah i just didn't see it coming it wasn't that it wasn't obvious to me maybe i was just like oh this is fucking awesome this is well to be fair to be fair the twist in the in saw was telegraphed as well like if you didn't know that the jigsaw killer or the person who was jigsaw was not necessarily the guy in the room but that it was the old man in the hospital. Like, if you didn't know that was a guy, then you weren't paying attention. Guy in the room, I can understand because there's a guy with his head. The guy in the room was the, yeah. No, yeah. The dude in the hospital bed, they just never show his face. They, they, Not they never really, really yeah, they don't really yeah, reveal yeah. who he is, but they right. allude to the fact that yes, it is. It was the dude dying of cancer in the hospital. Right. But the fact that it's the that the dude in the hospital in the room. is the guy in the room. Yeah. Right. That got me by surprise. That fucker stands this up. Was like, oh, I was like, you motherfucker. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's just, a good one because again, you actually see a guy with his head blown off, and you're thinking, yeah. well, fuck. Because you you're know. not gonna, you're not going to question that his head's blown off. He has a gun sitting there, laying there. There's blood guts everywhere. Yeah, and you're you're not going to question that. I mean, I would I would admit if I was in that situation and I was chained to that basement and I saw a dead guy looking like that, I wouldn't check it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I and of course now that we've seen this, and we ever wake up in that situation and there's a body laying there and there's a gun there, it's like get up, you know, dude. I'm, ta- not, I'm getting, yeah, that, I'm getting that gun. I'm putting I'm putting a round in his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> shit! You ruined everything. <laughs> you <laughs> shot me in the ass. <laughs> shot me in the ass. What am I supposed to learn from this? <laughs> Don't fuck me, motherfucker. That's what you learn. Movie over. <laughs> I'm gonna die. Guess what? You're gonna die too, motherfucker. 
Uh, I cannot watch. I cannot watch Saw without thinking of the Key and Peele sketch when the two like really supportive guys <laughs> were in the room. <laughs> that was great. Yep. All right, but definitely let us know your thoughts. See, there's a lot of no's on Saw X. Um, I of course will definitely check the movie out when it comes out because I'm I'm a sucker You're for any horror film. Thing. Right. I, I gotta I gotta see it. I gotta see what they do with it. Um, but definitely let us know at weekendhorror gmail.com. All right, Johnny. I gave you, because it's been a minute since you've been here, I gave you the best of the best. The best of the best. Yes. Of course we're talking about the... This movie's a a fucking masterpiece. (laughs) We're talking about the 1960 uh, British psychological horror thriller film. You have to say it like that because it's British. Peeping Tom. It's very prim and proper. Let's check out this trailer. All right. That was the 1960 British film Peeping Tom, directed by Michael Powell, written by Leo Marx, starring Carl Boehm, and everybody that the narrator told you exact everything you need to know about. Uh, Carl Boehm, Anna Massey, Moira Shearer, uh, Maxine, oddly, golly, so many people. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can tell you anything that you don't already know about the film based on that trailer. So basically, you've got a guy who runs around with a camera taking pictures and videos of people and then kills him because he's crazy. Because he's a crazy man. He's a crazy man. Well, go to bed. Though. Okay, go to bed. Oh, she's visiting oh. you on the set. The youngsters. Anyway, adorable. yeah. Um, this movie is, uh, the trailer is great. I love that it's like, oh, I'm going to the jazz club. It's a lot better than dance with me. Yeah. Very interesting movie, we'll say. Sometimes it's difficult for me to look at something that was from the 60s and remember that this is from the 60s, so you have to look at it not acknowledging all the shit that you've seen since. And it's a British horror film, which means it's very much she walks in the room. The the British sensibilities in this one are just like so, like so extreme. If you don't appreciate British movies, you will hate this fucking thing. Which is fucked up because, like the like the British censor censor board, like came down on this movie like a ton of fucking bricks. Which I think is hilarious to me because there's like there's. Everything, all the violence, the vast majority of the violence is implied in this bad boy. You don't see a lot. Um, you get the sense like you'll get really close, but all the extreme stuff, they all that's you know, all that they cut away for that. Um, Jeremy Duncan, I have to disagree. He says, This is as bad as Maniac with Elijah Wood. Um, and he says, I was fond of the Vincent Price movies of the 60s. I will say this, uh, you know, watching Peeping Tom, the uh, Johnny is right, the film is British, and if you Very don't. British. If you don't like really having a like, if you like, if, if there's no appreciation for like British cinema, especially British cinema from the '60s, you likely will not like this film. But that's a generational thing. Yeah, well, that's not a generational thing. That's a that's a cultural thing. A culture, yeah, a cultural yeah. thing as well. Absolutely, they do not make movies like this anymore. Not right. with this kind of pacing. Not with this. Not with this kind of. I, but the things that they're, they're that well. That, I won't say that because if you look at 28 days later, that that is very much paced, not as I don't want to say slow as this movie, but it does have there's a much different pacing in 
British film or in, in, in non-American film, we'll say. There's a much different sense of pacing uh, with what we would call in America foreign films. And you still see that. It still happens. It's just there's been that American influence on pacing that's kind of picked up the pace right. in foreign film. They still want to have that nuance. They still want to have that awkward, what we would call slow pacing. Um, but yeah, it's not as bad, or not bad, it's not as paced as this one. Like The, the pacing is not pacing. as intense. It, it right, is. exactly, yeah. And, so, and some audiences might actually be bored by the film. They might be like, yeah, hey, you're right, yeah. Long. Whereas right. this... I, I attribute this is is, a, is this is similar to like reading a horror story. Like mm -hmm. if you were reading a horror novel and you have that kind of the the, the pacing of your own uh, reading speed, this is what that's kind of like. Where uh, where the set, wherever the uh, the visuals of what's going on speak as much as the dialogue is what's going mm -hmm. on between the characters themselves. All the little the little bits and pieces, all the nuance, all the attention to detail that goes into this. It's a beautifully shot film. Oh, expertly yeah. crafted. Yeah. I love the cinematography on this. I loved how uh, Powell unflinched, you know, you know, even just, you know, take it for the time, for the 1960s, was unflinching in what he was trying to grab. He always stayed with the shot as long as he needed to. He didn't shy away. He knew exactly what, what he wanted to do. And But th this big question, I want Eugene to, to chime in on this one. So here's the question. We've talked about this here on the show a number of times slasher films okay the slasher sub subgenre and a lot of us have, have often agreed that psycho was the first slasher film but there is an argument that peeping tom is actually the first slasher film because it predates psycho by i think two months so i have to disagree a lot of it and even with psycho uh, i would consider psycho proto slasher mm -hmm. because you're still missing some of the tropes of a slasher and i would consider this also a proto slasher um in terms of the first slasher you may be able to argue that texas chainsaw massacre in 74 had kind of put the pieces together um, i mean i would still say that halloween is the first real slasher that's first what i was going like to say like, like legitimate Everything uh, that everybody goes back to, like when people look at what a slasher movie is, you know, villain again, pacing, uh, final girl, stuff like that. You know, you look at Texas Chains, yeah, it had a, it had a final girl, but it really wasn't like we look that look at that to be your final girl. You look at Psycho, there is a quote final girl in there as well, but we don't look at that to be. We go back to Jamie Lee Curtis because when you are talking about a final girl, she is the, like, that's the bar. That's where everything, that's where everybody goes to. Yeah. Uh, even your slasher, a lot of your slasher choices, uh, Jason Voorhees is based off of things that Michael Myers did. And in a, in a, in a sort of way, what, uh, what Robert England did with Freddy Krueger was in contrast to what Michael Myers did. So he still, Michael Myers character still had that influence on your slasher's, from now, from then until now, yeah. Because the one, the one thing, like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre has all the elements for a slasher, but mm -hmm. honestly, it's the way it's shot. Because Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one, feels more like an art film. It's a grindhouse film. Yeah, yeah. instead of like the production value, the straightforwardness you get in Halloween, mm -hmm. and so this here is just for so PB Tom kind of sets just kind of a little bit of the groundwork for that. 
So Sarah Vellis brings something interesting in it. This also occurred to me, Sarah, I'm glad that you brought it up. So Peeping Tom reminded me a little of Manhunter. And I agree with that. I honestly think after watching this film, I think that Thomas Harris actually took a good amount of inspiration for his character, Francis Dollarhide, from this particular film. Not all of it, yeah. because mm-hmm. it, because in all honesty, it, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of connective tissue between um, this film and and uh, and um, and Alfred Hitchcock and Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Well, I do see the elements that Thomas Harris used for Francis Dollarhide, especially the ending sequence where he goes like he's going to kill like the the girl, but he but he loves her and he can't do it, and he promised himself, so he winds up killing himself instead. That whole I think Thomas Harris utilized that as well. But in this particular one, there's a reason why there's a lot of a lot of connect uh, connected tissue between Peeping Tom and Psycho, and that was because. Uh, this amazing dude, uh, Powell, and he did this film, and it damn near uh, like eliminated his career when he did it because of the British censor board. British censor board almost shut him down, he, and he almost never worked. Yeah. And then he later on like lamented, he's like, I did this movie, and everybody fucking hated me for it. And then 30 years later, now everybody says, you must see it, or you know, have you seen it yet? And it's wild how it works that way sometimes. Yeah. But you that's can see because- it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go I was ahead. like, that's because Powell worked initially began his career working as a still photographer for Alfred Hitchcock, mm. and the two of them were close friends all throughout his career. Right, you can see the cinematography style a lot. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. A much. lot of, especially with a lot of the camera movement, because in the '60s, first of all, cameras were still bigger, and movement that's was difficult. Yeah, <laughs> but and. Like I said, you're starting to shrink down to the point where you're able to get some good good amount of camera movement. But Hitchcock was big into camera movement, lots mm-hmm. and lots of camera movement, and a lot of. And also, if you look at the lighting, if you look at the lighting between Hitchcock and Michael Powell, it's almost identical. Like it really is. Yeah. Yeah. If you take screen grabs from this, and you said Alfred Hitchcock shot this, most people would probably believe you. I would say the only thing that that, that kind of separ- separates it is the scoring is that this is definitely not scored like a Hitchcock film. It has the feel and the pacing of a Hitchcock film, mm-hmm. but part of Hitchcock, what makes Hitchcock a that kind of film is definitely the score. Is mm-hmm. how he loves his crescendos and he loves his diminuendos and he loves those little moments where you know something's bubbling under the surface and then it leads up to this to this to this climactic moment. Well, see, Hitchcock, so Hitchcock, Hitchcock that fit Hitchcock's pacing very well. No, it wasn't that it fit his pacing. He made he when he scored, he scored with that idea, right? He, yeah. One thing that a lot of people comment on Hitchcock, right, is that everything just works like it, it melds together so well. So when you're watching a any like Birds, for instance, right? So there's that scene in Birds where, uh, um, oh gosh, her, her name escapes me. Um, Tippy Hedren. Tippy Hedren. Fuck. When Tippy Hedren's in the phone booth and she sees like the gasoline going towards the car, and we know it's about to explode, and the way that Hitchcock accents that with the subtle hints of of music and then the slow builds and all that stuff, and then at the very end of that movie when it's just the birds and there's absolutely no sound quiet. Yeah. yeah. The only thing you can hear are the little, you know, chirps of the bird and the flaps of the wings and stuff like that. He was very, very conscious of crafting his narrative in more ways than just what you see on the screen. So you could tell that he put so much thought and effort into those choices. It wasn't an accident that that scene ended up that way. 
Like right. I'm sure he, that was his part of his vision. Oh, it's put part, it together. Of, part of his plan. Yeah. yeah. It's all part of the plan. Uh, Sir Cavs is master of the orchestral sting. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. was. And you can see the inspiration there as, as that right. Powell had here. And he, he definitely followed his footsteps, but he definitely took it in his own direction. And I think he put his own signature on it. Because if you look at the rest of Powell's filmography, there's a lot of similarity to Hitchcock, but he definitely makes it his own. So he, he knows what he worked under the, one of the masters. So he knows what works and he knows what works well and he knows what he likes and he has his own vision, but it's his own kind of spin on things. Very similar, I would say, you know, comedies like Freud and Young, where you mm -hmm. have this along the same path, but I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to, you know, this is the way I'm going to run it. And plus for him to go out on such a limb so early on and put his career on the line doing this movie, the difference was, and this was weird. So the difference was between Psycho and Peeping Tom. They came out, you know, Psycho came out two months after this, but this movie bombed. This movie was terrible. Or this movie got terrible reviews. Yeah. Chris dumped all over it, told everybody to avoid it. Got terrible. And, you know, it, it performed very badly at the box office. And Psycho did not. Psycho exploded. You know, although the two films are really very similar. Well, I mean, you did have, you had a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say star power in Psycho that you may not have necessarily had in Peeping Tom. Not that Peeping Tom didn't have stars at the time. I, I, something about the, the casting, I think, drew people more in. And then the 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 mystery of not knowing, like in in Peeping Tom, they tell you who the fucking killer is. Like, like yeah, this you know, guy right here. Yeah. 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 He's, there's in, no he's, in there, there. he's in there showing the final girl like footage of him being psychologically traumatized by his father. It's like, this is right. what my dad used to do to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think marketing had more to do with the success or lack of success of Peeping Tom. Not, to, not to mention, uh, Hitchcock was already a big name. He already yeah, had and he, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's important to remember because we it was rear render was what out in um oh gosh, what was that? When did that come out? I can't even remember. I'm so fucking Hitchcock scared. Hitchcock said in a conversation with uh with Powell that that he attributed the success of like even though both films are very similar, similar kind of antagonist, similar kind of situation, you know, the you know, that even even the, the conclusion in that, but uh Hitchcock attributed it because Hitchcock did not submit psycho. For a critic, for a critic's review, be or like mm -hmm. like a pre-screening review beforehand, he didn't submit it for that. It no, went he straight to and he just wanted it out there. Whereas Peeping Tom did go to the critics first, and yeah. the critics dumped all over it, and it went in with bad press. So, That's what I'm saying. It was marketing with what killed <laughs> Peeping right. Tom, not necessarily that it was a bad movie. And something sometimes that happens where you have good movies and they get mismarketed, or sometimes the timing's bad. Um, and not to mention another thing when you look at Psycho, because the twist in Psycho is so important that Hitchcock, that's why he didn't want to submit the critics because somebody could spoil it. That's why with at the at the time period in movie theaters, you would buy a ticket and just walk in whenever. And then sometimes, oh, you would see the second half of the film and then you go see the first half of the film when it get, gets replayed. And he was the first one to go, no, after a certain time, stop. Yeah, right. There's no all day matinee. I don't want any all day matinee. That was part of his uh, part of his writer, so to speak, with pick, carrying his film. Yeah. 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 And, and that's that's too big of a twist to risk on that risk getting out and people revealing that. That's because that's that's the whole moment of the movie is realizing that. uh that Norman and his mother are the same, are the, the same individual. 
that's supposed to right. hit with a certain level of gravity. And if you already know it ahead of time, then what's the, you know, I, I applaud him for doing that. I would say that uh, Hitchcock's mastery of the industry itself, not just filmmaking, but also how to market film um, it, from, I would say a master of both the, the filmmaker's perspective and the audience's perspective. More importantly, was, the audience. Was yeah. 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 And so, but Powell himself had a very excellent career. I really, really enjoyed Peeping Tom. Um, yeah. I loved how, I loved his builds. I loved what he brought to it. I loved his insp the inspiration he took from Hitchcock. So it felt like, you know, I was in that genre again. And then, but what he brought to it and how he cast it, I thought were excellently done. This was a really, really interesting film to watch. I think a very, very important one as far as the horror genre goes. And one that doesn't get, I think, a lot of the press that it should from the mainstream. I think that people who are entrenched in the genre like we are will have the appreciation for this. Well, yeah, um, right. I yeah. think it just more. Absolutely. Not at all. Sir Kevin said, this week's tangent brought to you by our fine sponsors, whom you will see shortly. <laughs> now returning to your regularly scheduled rabbit hole. Yeah. A absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of rabbit holes and speaking of uh, slashers and proto-slashers, what I want to know, I want to ask the audience, was Peeping Tom a slasher or was it a psychological horror film? curious to hear what you have to say let us know uh we can horror at gmail.com the side chat or the comment section down below mm -hmm. mm, it's a good I'm one curious. i'm curious it had more bodies there were it it did. more bodies than, than psycho did it did you know you know what movie that this reminds me of and i say that because of the order in which i watched them i understand the one i'm going to say came out many 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 decades mm -hmm. afterwards but if you look at mr brooks and the peeping tom together there are a lot of similarities. You can see that Mr. Brooks probably pulled yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of yeah. inspiration from this film. Oh, I can see that. I'm yeah. still bummed that we never got the mid the we never got a trilogy out of Mr. Brooks. We should I'm, have gotten a trilogy I'm out of angry. That. I'm angry that Mr. Brooks didn't end the way that they fucking should have ended it. Oh, with the with the then yes, it was a dream sequence instead. That, well, that, yeah, that was supposed uh, to be the set. That was supposed to be the setup going into the. Trilogy. I know, um, I know, but it, I would have been like, I, I would have appreciated that movie so much more had they just ended it right there and gave us like a prequel instead. Oh, you know, okay. And then the third one, it could have been the daughter, whatever. But whatever. I'm saying, well, and ultimately, in that, I, I wish we'd gotten a trilogy out of that, and the only reason we didn't is because of the is because of the box office. Because people did not flock to go see Kevin you know, yeah. to see Kevin Costner as a serial killer, and I thought he was great. I thought he that was a, that's one of my yeah. one of my favorite like bedtime movies. Right, and the thing the the thing about it the again we're going to go back to marketing because they didn't have to necessarily paint Kevin Costner as the serial killer. They could have painted John Hurt as a serial killer because ultimately that's who really was the serial yeah. killer. Where John Hurt, not Kevin Costner. Kevin Cost was just the vessel in which it happened. Again, bad marketing. Mm -hmm. The big, the victim of his id, his yes. like bloodthirsty id, driving him to go out and do these things. Right. God, fuck, he was vicious, man. I fucking, yeah. especially that end with with uh, fucking uh, Dane Cook. Dane Cook. Yeah. Uh, oh shit! I was like, ah, yeah. Because when, he, when he's like, okay, I think I'm ready to go. Closes his eyes. Click. Yeah, I changed my mind. It was like, oh, you're so <laughs> dead. You're so mm -hmm. dead. Yep. <laughs> uh, fuck, if you haven't seen, if, uh, people in the live chat, if you haven't seen Mr. Brooks, definitely go and check it out. It's, it is absolutely worth it. 
Shiz is here. Says just uh, just want to say it's we forgot he's a ghostophile. There's no such thing as a ghostophile because ghosts aren't real. But uh, thank you for popping by, Shiz. I do. Oh yeah, what are those pictures behind you that say different? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know how many ghosts have you fucked today, JL? Seven, teen, hundred. We're having a jail. <laughs> Go ahead, Eugene. <laughs> He's frozen. All right. All we right. broke jail. Good job, Shiz. Well, we've been uh I think we've postponed this long enough. I know it. Yeah. Oh, he did. We did. We actually did lose jail. For like for real. He did freeze. Oh, I. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what the fuck? Lost, which means we also lost the trailer for this next movie, which I don't think is an accident. I don't think. I think he just wanted to talk about the three movies and just bounce. And then Jail's like, you know what? I'm going to fake internet problems. Yeah. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> you guys thought I booted him, didn't you? I didn't. He just fucking disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Check out Jail on his only fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says I lost the internet. Uh, he didn't rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give Jail just a second while I see if I can't source this uh, this trailer. It's not going to be the same awesomeness in which Jail does it because whatever. Uh, and I don't even know if I can source this. Actually, let me look. Yeah, because he like rips it ahead of time, and and this this was a kind of a hard to find. Um, it was. Yeah, this is it's a little nothing film. I mean, I the, the entire film is on YouTube, but um, in terms of anything else, but there's not much else about it except for just it's free on YouTube. That's about only thing you can say. It is positive. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> let me see here. Hang on, I think I might have a trailer. I think I might okay. have a trailer. No, oh, there, there he is. Okay, he's, he's coming back. There okay. he is. I'm here yeah. about that. The friggin', I don't know what caused the internet to drop out all of a sudden. That was so weird. Everybody was like, Johnny, you, you booted him. I'm like, no, I didn't boot him. It was time. It, it was time. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Okay. So forgive me for this. I have to, I have to add this back in. Give me one second. There we go. Uh, sorry. Because I got bumped out. So all the stuff that I uploaded got bumped yeah. out of it. NANA just messaged me. Are you coming back? Had to let the mode, had to let the internet come back. I do, the internet literally just like dropped on me in the middle, like in the middle of what I was saying. That's so annoying. But I, I had it up here on the on my phone. I was like, oh, I see them still live. And I'm sitting here going like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, then I fucking, and then I fucking vanished. Um, yeah, because you went down to the green room and you had that, that face was frozen. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> and then I saw you. I went to go add you back and I saw your message lost the internet. I was like, oh, it really did. There we go. Sorry, I had to put those back in there. Anyway. But good to see you, Shiz. Good to see you, Laurie Marie. Thanks so much for being here. I do appreciate it. And I saw a number of people who popped in. 
Um, no, I did not rage quit. And no, the ghost did not do it. <laughs> Tina Jones, good to see you. Tina Jones said, blink for fuck's sake. <laughs> it was frozen. Frozen in terror. Oh, I thought you man. did a really good job. You did. And Tiny Captain, good to see you, Tiny Captain. Tiny Captain said, I've been away too long. And there are too many live streams happening at the same time now, and I try to watch all three of them. We appreciate you coming by here, Tiny Captain. Thank you hey, very, Tiny very Captain. much. Do appreciate that. So my rumors of my demise are sadly exaggerated. <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have our last film. Mm-hmm. At least it ain't Winter Beast. Not that's not saying much. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, really, that's really not. Travis Brown said I was frozen by the Winter Beast. So even though we never knew who the Winter Beast was in that fucking movie. But uh, yeah, we have this movie. Thank you, Lionsgate. Oh, so it's man. called Zombies. <laughs> <laughs> released May 17, 2005. I'm fucking, I'm fucking taking a drink here, man. <laughs> oh, that's good. Zombies. <laughs> oh, have a good night, kids. Thanks so much for popping by. Oh, that's fucking funny. Let's check out this. Let's yeah, you can go roll it. Let's just roll this trailer. No, it is not Zumbies. Zumbies was at least entertaining. And good to see you, Extra J. Thanks so much for being here. That was it. <laughs> well, that was okay. God. Trailer. <laughs> at least, at least I can say that they don't really give the story. Not there's much of one anyway, but they don't give it away. I was gonna say, there's a story here. Jeremy yeah. Duncan said, "So is this Gangs of the Living Dead?" <laughs> Actually, I thought it was Zombies in the Hood, but that's just my take. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna say right now, we all know that black people are better athletes than the rest of the world, so black zombies is a real threat. Like those are the only zombies I could legitimately seeing being running zombies. Because when you think, when you look at the chase scene, like when she's running through the parking lot, I'm like, she's like sprinting a long time. Yes. She's fucking just. I mean, it's like marathon. <laughs> like that part and get out. Yeah. Not even breaking a sweat. Just like. <laughs> oh, um, I don't know, Jam Truth director. Possibly, this is, you know. Kind of like the quality of the actually no this at no, least this is better this, this at least this like the footage was you could discern what was happening I'll give it that okay at least you could tell that something was happening on screen because we've yeah. actually watched horror movies where you couldn't tell what was fucking happening at least mm. you could discern oh yeah what's I see what's happening on screen I wish I didn't but I do see what's happening on screen. And that's what's important about that. Um, and Extra J, if you want to watch this, it is free on YouTube. Knock yourself out. You don't, have to, you don't have to watch it. You, you really don't. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. But yeah. my issue on this one, obviously, it is not a it's not a good movie. And there's no way that I could polish this one. But the difference that I think the big difference in this one, the big point out on, on zombies is that it's not that the acting is terrible, that the writing is terrible, that the special effects were bad. It's that that's not what makes it bad. What makes ultimately makes this one bad is because 
I don't care how little money you have. Making a zombie movie is not that fucking hard from a formula perspective. It's literally about you have zombies, which can look anywhere from, you know, it can look as good as Dawn of the it can look as good as Dawn of the Dead or or World War Z. It can look, they can look as bad as 1978 Evil Dead Deadites. Okay, where you're basically just like cake makeup all over them and then they look all melty and gross. It doesn't, I don't care what your undead look like. At least give a fuck about what you're doing because there was no love. There was no respect. There was no goddamn point. Nobody in this film, from the the producers themselves to the director himself to the writer themselves, has any respect for the zombie genre or the undead genre. They, They literally, you could tell. This was it was just like a writing experiment. Write me a zombie movie. I don't really like zombies. Well, so here's the problem. Zombie movie, and I was like, if you don't care, if you do not care at all, why make a fucking movie? Why waste our time? Right. So here's the interesting part about zombie fiction, and I've said this a bazillion times, and it's always going to be true every time I say it. If you write a zombie film to be about zombies, you've already you've already fucked up. You have already missed the mark and have made a bad movie zombies are zombie film good zombie fiction is not about zombies it's about the human condition it's about the characters it's about some sort of geopolitical commentary or social commentary uh like if like if you take a look at uh um dawn of the dead if you take zombies out of dawn of the dead and make the you could make the zombies anything you can make it the invading red army you can make it it can literally just be in Dawn of the Dead. It can literally just be you're stuck inside. You can't go outside. That's it. It can be right. that. There's poison gas outside. Right. What are our characters going to do that now that they're all trapped together? Right. Exactly. That's what it's about. Exactly. And so, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Can. Sorry. I, I mean, the thing is right because as with any with any horror film, care about your characters. That's the thing. Develop them fucking things. Yeah. Develop give them. them. Give them some depth. We will horror will look past bad special effects. We will look past bad cinematography. We will overlook a lot of things if we care about a character. I'll yeah. even, look, I mean, even even bad audio, bad audio, bad lighting. If we can give a shit, if we like, if you draw, if the if the, if the performance can at least draw us in, or the writing can draw, can draw us in, then fuck yes. We want to see survivors survive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I agree with Johnny that uh, holy, it's it's all about characters, which is why. It's, it's about characters. It's about us identifying with them because zombies are always the background. Zombies are the atmosphere that this is taking place in the post-apocalypse, which yeah. is why Z Nation didn't work, but why Black Summer was fucking amazing. Because Z, because Black Summer was supposed to be like a prequel to Z, to, uh, to Z Nation. Mm. But Black Summer was dark and it was brutal and it was gritty. And you got, to, you got a real sense of what humans would be like in the post-apocalypse, like immediately, and after that's the what a good falls, yeah. zombie film is supposed to do: is yes. make you think about what would you do in this situation. Yep. How would this event influence your choices, your actions? How would you develop as a person, as a whatever? What would you do? Should you be fi- should you find yourself in an apocalyptic type situation? And this thing was just here's like what we think is a cool looking zombie. So, uh, oh, Sir Kevin says, totally agree with Johnny yet again. What the fuck is happening to my life? <laughs> I, like I like how you editorialize that, J.L. <laughs> and um, 
Raven Darkstar says if some twip can make Zombievers a zombie movie, uh, zombie movie can't be that bloody hard. It's not. They're not that difficult. Zombievers yeah. was actually more entertaining than this. And like the, I mean, the effects were better, you know, but the characters were at least entertaining. They made me laugh in some occasions, and the zombie, yeah. and the, the zombie beavers were so goofy, but it works, you know. It, it works because it's not trying so hard to sell you on this idea. The fucking puppets, you can tell they're puppets, okay? But still, it fucking works. Sometimes life. they're no, that's not sorry. Not this one wasn't the one that was sometimes real puppy dogs. It was the other one, the spiders one. Never mind. I'm sick. Carry on. Rodolfo says, "Shot of the Dead, a rom com's on, but the rom com's is its core exactly the yep. the road. You know, him trying to get her back." Is right. the whole point? Yeah, yeah. And zombies are zombies are the backdrop. This, this is the perfect example. Extra J, original Salt and Precinct Thirteen, the zombie movie without zombies. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. As a story unwinds, it's more about them. The fact they're stuck in the precinct and what's going on in between. Yep. Um, and the thing is with this with this movie with zombies, as you can tell, we're avoiding talking about as much as possible as we. Talk well, there's nothing stuff. really to talk about. Because we talk is, about other stuff. If somebody as somebody did ask me in the live chat, is this film worse than Night Train? Than Night Train no. and Terror? Okay, both bad films, but yes. this one is bad. This one is bad for not for like film. This was not bad for like technical reasons or like that. Yes, it's not great, but we have definitely seen worse technical shit that but still enjoyed the movie more. The problem with this one is there is absolutely zero commitment to the genre or to the story or to any elements within it. Well, see, it and, that's, and that's uh -huh. what I want to talk about because I can tell right off the bat watching this film what happened. You had somebody who had $20,000, $30,000, and they're like, I want to make a film. Because I tried to look up uh, John Backus, the director, yeah, on it, and obviously you can't find anything. But... Um, it's 2030. I've never made a film before. I want to go and do this myself and just go out there with no research to the genre. Not probably not even like a cinephile. By all means, they just probably want to make a movie just the sake of making a movie, or they thought it was going to be easy. Like yeah. this is how this stuff gets made. Well, yeah, Pur Purgatory Blues is who made it. And I and they I haven't seen anything produced by them since. So they may have just been a pop-up, they made a movie and then they went away. Yeah. And Lionsgate picked up distribution, likely because they just needed something for that for the year, because this came out in 05. Zombie movies were happened to be hot at the early 2000s. So let's just pay, let's just grab a, a cheap zombie movie, throw this kid a bone. And just have something else that we can just throw into our distribution catalog. Oh well, yeah, because if, if you think Lionsgate, Lionsgate probably picked this up. They could have paid like ten grand for this film. I yeah. mean, like literally just nothing. Knowing the fact if they print DVDs and put it in a Walmart shelf, just the mm -hmm. fact that it exists will make the ten grand back. Like Lionsgate probably risked nothing. The at fact all. that Bacchus got paid anything is is like they, they they like i said it, it didn't have to be 10 grand they threw that boy five grand two grand one grand he made more than this movie was fucking worth because i like i said it's like these are the business decisions that kind of carry the industry along and they kind of get made and but it really it pisses me off to no end to see a film that is where nobody cares when mm -hmm. the, there is not a, a shred of dignity whatsoever in the film no no one's committed to telling a story or or embracing the genre or trying to do something or even to say hey our movie's gonna blow you know the writing sucks the director's untested 
the the actors are like you know this is their first film all of them you know the the extras we don't don't really know what to do with at least focus on one thing and make that one thing good you know, say like if all else fails, yeah, right. Zombies are going to look great, or if all else fails, the blood and gore effects are going to be good, or if all else fails, mm-hmm. this sequence is going to be amazing. So you know? Eugene but, and I often talk, and you you approve of this, but Eugene uh, and I talk about this often about you know how to make how to stretch your dollar. So you have people that are really good at stretching dollars and making one dollar turn into a hundred dollars, and then you've got the flip side: people who really know how to burn money and just light that shit on fire. And when you yep. have somebody like if you gave Eugene and I 20 or 30 grand to make a feature film, we would fucking knock that bitch out of the fucking park. It would be an amazing film. It'd be great. But you take some of these people here, like here's 20, 30 grand, like, oh, it's a lot of money. Uh, and they get lost in stupid shit. They I get need... lost in the number. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And they're just like, oh, well, cool. <laughs> I got 30 grand. I can pay with this. I can do that. And all of a sudden their money's gone. Yeah, they're out of budget before you even fire up a shot. Right. Yeah, it ultimately, I think, it, and I think uh, a big part of this is likely ego. What you'd kind of like to piggyback up what Eugene said is likely ego. This is somebody who, like, he the, the individual who wrote it also directed it, and it was the first one, likely his first film that he ever did, and we haven't heard anything from him since. But likely he came into money, may have inherited money, but something of that nature, and said, I want to shoot a movie. Zombie movies are easy to shoot. Let's shoot a zombie movie, and they went with it, and that was all we had. And it was just, mm-hmm. and I hate to dump on a first timer for this, but no, you can dump you on know, a first, first. You can dump on a first timer like this because well, it's well, like this one in particular, like this one in particular. Yeah. I've seen first time. We've seen first time directors like the, when they do their feature their their feature debut, and it's not a great film, but you can tell mm-hmm. that they they worked their ass off. They did their best. They're inexperienced. It happens. Everybody's got to start somewhere, you know, and think, and not everybody can be fucking Robert Eggers or Ari Aster or Fede Alvarez, where you just like, you know, born. I'm willing to bet, though, if you look at Fede Alvarez and Robert Aster and all those guys, you look at Ari Aster, you look at those guys, they're real first films. They're not cinematic masterpieces. Oh, they're, they're not cinematic, but they're, no, they're, they're not. And they're not. Like Alvarez's right. first one was actually kind of like, huh. That's that's interesting, but it's interesting. It catches my point. You can tell that there is a love of filmmaking, of storytelling Mm -hmm. in their stuff. And with this thing here, there's no there's no story. There's no story in this. It's it's ego and it's I want to make money. That's all it is. It's all the wrong reasons to go into filmmaking, all the wrong reasons to make a movie. You make movies because you want to tell stories. You make movies with the hope that you might make money, but the telling the story and having the fun experience of making a movie and, and getting it out to people to see it, that's what makes it fun. And maybe, maybe you make money on it. Yeah. But that should not be the end goal. And the movie is certainly not meant to service your own fucking ego. Because right. if it's like, ha ha, I made a movie. Nobody fucking cares, man, if the movie, if, if, if it's all you. If you want to be the center of attention, get up there on stage and do it. A lot of people don't realize how big of a collaborative effort. Like on this on this shoot that Eugene and I were on, we had two guests who contacted me via YouTube, believe it or not. Uh, and they were like, hey, you know, I, we, we want to get into filmmaking. We really want to come on and we want to help out. We, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Just, you know, can we come on and help out? I was like, sure, come check it out. And they got there. And we're like, I, you know, you always kind of hear about this sort of thing, but you don't really understand what collaborative effort goes into good filmmaking. You know, and he said, I've been on other sets before where it was the bubble, but your guy's set was as professional as I've ever been on. 
and I learned a lot about the collaborative and creative process. So when you don't, like people talk about Eugene. Eugene's a fantastic director. Eugene, I'll tell you that. You're a fantastic director. I've told you this before. You're a cinematographer. You're a good, good cinematographer. Um, your same thing, right? Uh, Destiny, who is the star of this last, she's a fantastic actress. Fantastic. So much fun to work with. She gives a lot of energy, uh, a lot of choices that she makes. You know, she asks all the right questions and she, uh, whatever. Point me is, Every little piece of that from Eugene Destiny down to the, the PAs who are help moving lights or gathering trash, doing whatever. It's such a collaborative effort and it takes so many different parts and pieces moving in the right direction um, to make this stuff work. So it can't just be, I'm going to be the next Steven Spielberg. It's about me. No, it's about the entire collaborative effort. It's a it's a thing is is it's about everybody put coming together and the thing is like to be a good director you have to realize there are going to be times you don't have the best idea and there are times like man I'm picturing shot one way and the DP goes just look at this real quick yeah let's try it like this and see what you think look and there are times where frame it up and I was like that's a better shot yeah and, and you, you have to be open for that. And you, you put your ego aside and go, that's going to make better. That's going to make the film better. Right. Let's roll with that one. That idea is better. And that's what a lot of, because a lot of times directors, directors, typically directors come because they're related to money or they're related to the executive producers or something like that. It's, you don't get a lot of directors who start from nothing and they go to film school and they kind of work their way up. It's usually that's where that's where most directors end up coming from. So you don't have necessarily the tons of short films that's behind them to really work and work and work. So then what happens is it becomes the ego project. because They're like, I have my vision. This is it. This is uncompromising. I'm going to stick with that. And the thing is, it suffers because not everybody is somebody like Stanley Kubrick or some everybody wants to be or at least to make films of that mm -hmm. caliber. But Stanley Kubrick is the exception to the rule right. where mm -hmm. everybody else is like, you look at the team. If you, if you look at Steven Spielberg and you look at Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan, Aria, all those directors, I guarantee you they'll point to my cinematographer came up with this idea. My production yeah. designer came with this idea. Uh, makeup came up with this idea. The prop brought in this prop we weren't expecting and it worked. Mm -hmm. Everyone except Cameron. Except because James all Cameron all just says, uh, "Oh wait, we don't. That doesn't exist. Now it does. Build it. Yeah, Build it's, it. because it's Cameron. Because it, it's yeah. all Cameron. It's, it's we don't know the technology. technology. I'll invent it. I'll invent it. <laughs> we can't go that deep with the camera. We can't. <laughs> I, I think it was like <laughs> we, we, we can't go that deep with the camera. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. But." Uh. Enough, enough about this film. Um, yeah, yeah. I did want to ask. And I just we haven't said a word about this film. I just want to click it. Is this the worst zombie film you've ever seen? I don't even consider this a zombie film. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Eugene, what do you think? I see. <laughs> the same thing is what's this a death rattle? <sighs> I, I won't. I, I won't because it's shot honestly shot like a videographer someone who does weddings mm -hmm. 
Like that's the honestly, if I'm gonna comment one thing about the cinematography, it's a videographer. They threw the camera on a little gimbal and it just ran the entire time. Uh with it. Is this the worst? This is what's one of them. It's yeah. Close. It's uh, close. We, we, would we would we say the worst? No, because uh Jim no. Truth zombie video. Okay, so there are worse yeah. out there, but this one's close. Okay, it's close. I, I will agree with I will agree with that assessment as well. So, it's yeah. definitely bottom ten. Yeah, like ever every zombie movie ever made, this is bottom ten. Yep. <laughs> so something we haven't even seen yet. <laughs> <laughs> we have more. We, we have, have more coming. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> so I want to ask the I want to ask you know okay I'm actually gonna. <laughs> I'm actually. Eugene's <laughs> Death Rattle was better. Was a better zombie movie than Zombies. Who <laughs> <laughs> died made you king? Who died made you king of the fucking zombies? <laughs> okay, so I'm actually. So I'm actually going to change up the call to action on oh. this one. Okay. Um, I want to ask the audience, what do you think is the worst zombie movie ever made? Hmm. Because we have we've we've talked about good zombie movies. What's the best zombie movie? What is the worst zombie movie you have worst ever seen? Ever made. Mm. Mm. That's, that's tough. Gonna take, that's gonna take some serious thought thought for me. Um, I mean, Jam Truth's not 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 considering that one. It never really saw distribution. So. Okay. So. Yeah, like okay. a movie out there. Mm. Oh fucking hell. Because even a lot of them have like some entertainment value. If you look at like Zombievers, you look at zombie strippers, you look at stuff like they at least they can be at least fun. Rodan Alexander says your storyboards were better than this. <laughs> <laughs> so very true. Uh, oh wow. Okay, so you said worst, right? Worst yeah, zombie worst. film. Okay. Yeah. So obviously, Sir Cab says again, Jam's truth yeah, still exists. Yeah. So it does. It does have an argument there. Rodan Alexander said Dawn of the Dead remake. I tend to agree. I didn't particularly. I mean, I, I don't think it's one of the worst. I, I just don't particularly care for it. I love. I mean, I love being Rames in the role. I, I like some of the things they did with the whole fast zombies thing, uh, trying to like reinvent this movie that didn't need to be reinvented. Um, the original is perfectly okay, perfectly fine. It's a masterpiece the way it is. Didn't need to be yeah. redone. So. Travis Brown's is Plan Nine from Outer Space. It does have zombies in it. it does have zombies in it? Yeah. Jeremy Duncan says City of the Living Dead. Any of the okay. Resident Evil movies? I wouldn't say Not worse. fucking fired. No, 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 no. Resident Evil, and then slowly downhill. I oh, no. That. no. Sharp nosedive. <laughs> <laughs> Resident Evil. <laughs> what is that? Uh, what is that uh, roller coaster at? at uh, six oh, the Titan? The Titan? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> an hour straight down. Yeah. Uh, volcano Josh, zombies. Yep. Joshua Lee. Oh, volcano zombies. That one was pretty fucking terrible. So Joshua Lee says anything with John Carradine, in my opinion. Rodan Ellis Ames says the remake had some good scenes, but was not a good zombie movie. Uh, Joshua Lee says the unearthly. Interesting. Volcano zombies were pretty damn bad. We talked about it, sarcasm. We absolutely did. Danny Trejo doing his best, like, you know, wizened old. Indian in that movie. Let me tell you a story. It was like when you, you're obviously Hispanic, you know, <laughs> like really, really obviously Mexican. 
<laughs> well, but you do know where Mexicans come from. Yeah. Yes, I do. But he's like, but even he even had the stereotypical like Mexican accent. And he's gonna, you know, like he sounded okay, it sounded like machete Whoa. Telling, an, telling an old Indian story. Whoa. Come on. <laughs> Whoa. I have to ask you to put your racism aside. That was not racist. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Mexican accent. Come on, it's Danny Trejo. Who's <laughs> from Southern California, not Mexico? But you did a tweet. The remake of Resident Evil movie was bad since Jeremy Duncan. Uh, the re he may be talking about oh the Netflix uh, thing. Is it the Netflix one, or is he talk, or is he talking about uh, um, the live Welcome, action Welcome, Welcome to Raccoon City? I thought that was the Netflix one. Welcome no, right. Netflix, Netflix series was entirely different. Yeah, there's a movie series, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Netflix series actually follows the uh, the storyline of the games, which is what which is intriguing. Which, uh, Strange Lake 790 says House of the Dead, and I may That's have bad. to agree That's with that. Bad. That's that bad. was one. fucking bad. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I saw one. It was uh, Navy SEALs versus Zombies. <laughs> oh. And I don't know if they know what a Navy SEAL is. <laughs> because when you have a 400-pound man in tactical gear struggling to go up the stairs That's and let the zombies eat him. That's Steven Seagal in all the, his new movies. That's fucking movie. hilarious. Uh, Jeremy Duncan says, Mexicans come from Germany, right? <laughs> yes. yes. And then NA NA corrects him said Mexican Mexicans come from Ecuador. So <laughs> yes. That's okay. Um oh yeah, Jeremy Duncan was talking about Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh right. Welcome to Raccoon City was only for those who really loved the games. It was not yeah. made for, for for movie for like movie audiences. Well, uh, Sarah Miller says Night of the Living Dead 3D. Mm, okay. Okay. Hmm. That's a good argument for that one. Yeah, there's a bunch of bad ones. Definitely let us know down in the uh, comments below or weekendhorrorgmail.com. What do you think is the worst ever zombie film? Definitely want to hear uh, what people have to say in the comments. All right, you know what time it is. It's trivia time. <laughs> <laughs> People so love that shit. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. They, they fucking yes. love it. They love it. Oh man. So tonight's trivia question. Um, get those Google fingers ready because the first person to get the correct a lot of the correct answer in the live chat will win a special little prize from the weekend horror shop. And I just got a bunch of emails that Teespring seems to be catching up with their shit. So a bunch of prizes are going out shortly. You should get those very, very soon because Apparently, from what I understand, it was the it was the situation in Ukraine is what's causing Teespring to. Uh, to oh, that's you know, some horseshit, and that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I don't know what to that's say. a bullshit. That's a bullshit excuse. That just seems like you know what? Let's blame it on Ukraine. We'll use that. Well, Fuck well, off. Teespring is not U.S. based, so no, but they do have they have a U.S. based fulfillment center and a U.K. based fulfillment center. This is so. True. Bullshit. So but, if you, you, but like, like if you can put your show, put, put your store up on your YouTube channel. Um, if you use Teespring, U.S. audiences cannot see Teespring. You have to use a U.S.-based distribute uh, distributor to uh, have a shop uh, for U.S. audiences for your U.S. audience on uh, YouTube. I just found that out the other day. No, understandably, but 
like for the prizes and whatnot, right? So when you're sending them out, you can send them out from the UK distribution center. So you don't have to worry about imports and all of those shit. So. All right, Tina. Tina says, I'm dipping out. Have a great show today. Thank you so much, Tina. Appreciate it. But yes, it is trivia time. So be the first to get the correct answer to this trivia question in the live chat. You will win a little special something from the Week in Horror store. I'm going to give you a hint. One hint. It's this guy's size. (laughs) From from the ground. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. All right. The question tonight is... Martin Scorsese commented that everything you need to learn about directing, you can get from watching two films. One of those films was Peeping Tom. What was the other one? So Martin Scorsese commented that everything you need to learn about directing, you can get from watching two films. One of them was Peeping Tom. What was the other film? This is kind of an obscure one. This is an obscure one. So first correct answer down in the live chat will win a little something from the Week in Horror Store. But you see, the the fucking, the the more obscure I go, the faster they get it. If I do something that's really, really simple, they get it really, really, they seem to get it really quick. So we got some... let me see. A couple, couple answers coming in right now. Uh, uh, not really. No, not no. That's a good. That's a good guess, though. That's I mean, not because it's close to the answer, but because it's a fantastic movie. And that's that's the bird, birds, actually. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Remember, this is this is more of an obscure movie, so it's not going to be something like Psycho, Birds. <clears throat> um. So we got, let's see. Uh, Service is a Psycho. No, it's not Psycho. In fact, he said Monkey Island. Not Monkey Island. Jay Bird said Mole Rats. No, it's not Mole Rats. <laughs> Sally Skellington said 12 Steps. Nope, not 12 Steps. Uh, Jay Burr said... <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a little bit right. of a tough one. This is a yeah. bit of a tough one. So, But like I said, want to make it worth it. But yes, one more time. Martin Scorsese commented that everything you need to learn about directing you can get from watching two films. One of those films was Peeping Tom. What was the other one? Yes, Jeremy Duncan, we will accept that. It was eight and a half. He yep. did uh, eight, 8.5, but I will, mm-hmm. yes, it was eight and a half. Congratulations, Jeremy Duncan. I think that's Jeremy's first win on the show. Yeah, oh, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah, Jeremy Duncan. Fan, freaking tastic. The first, it's always nice when you win that first prize. Rhoda Los Angeles right behind with eight and a half. Yeah. Yep. It's like, it uh, but congratulations, Jeremy Duncan, who won, uh, won an item from the Weekend Horror Store. So, Jeremy. Be sure to either message us um, via Discord or hit us up at weekendhorrorgmail.com with your shipping details so we can get that printed and shipped to you ASAP. I've got your name written down. I'll be looking forward to your information. Jeremy Duncan says, I'm good on the prize. Let someone else have it. Then that person has to be of your choosing, good sir. Who do you wish to bequeath your prize to? He's not fucking dying. Golly. <laughs> I'm. Tr- can you just be cool? I am being cool, but you're like, you to die. He's trying to be something nice. You're like, yeah, when you die, who are you giving it to? Fuck you. Can you just be cool? See, even Jeremy Duncan's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, can you just, can you, can you just be cool? <laughs> uh, Yes, Jeremy. Let us know who you want to uh, who you want to uh, send your gift to or you, uh, your prize to, the one that you won. Who do you want to give it to? 
Uh, he said Roden, no last name because he was second. There you go. Because he's the second to guess it. Awesome. Yeah. I still have blood stains on my hands, by the way. Rodents, do you want oh, to yeah. give the prize to somebody, or am I sending it to you, or are we sending it to you? Double it and give it to the next person. Okay, so Rodent. No last name. Gotcha. And uh, Rodent, I have your shipping details, so I can send it to you. Um, all right, cool. So it looks like uh, congratulations, Jeremy, and a huge uh, thank you, uh, you for giving your for passing your prize along. Well done. Rodent says pass it on. Son of a bitch. Doublet. Okay, y'all are killing me. Rodent, email me at weekendhorror.gmail.com or message me via Discord and let me know who you want to send your gift to because we have to end the fucking show. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which, and that will close out another episode of the Weekend Horror Podcast. What the hell is that noise? Jesus Christ, you adding that dumb shit in there. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for joining us we truly hope you enjoyed the show and if you did smash those like and subscribe buttons be sure to hit that bell so you never miss a future episode where it's next week when we look back at the religion inspired serial killer horror hallowed with some excuse me the sublime surrealistic care of possession cult horror in beneath school waters and the Vincent Price cult classic anthology, The Monster Club. Why is it next week they have good movies? What are you doing, Jay? Right? <laughs> Be sure to check out Josh Olson's store at BadSamurai.store. He does all the awesome artwork you see splattered all over our merch, which you can find over at Teespring sometimes. Uh, for more <laughs> for more from Weekend Horror, check out all the bloody links in the description. Follow us on all socials for your daily splatter, which is your daily horror recommendations. Join us uh, join us in Discord for our watch parties. Big announcements. Speaking of watch parties and big announcements, we have so much more in the future that it would be coming very, very soon. So good. Get in that Discord. Uh, lots of great stuff. Uh, all kinds of horror shenanigans. And support our show through our PayPal link or through Patreon. Join the higher tiers for early content. Access to behind-the-scenes fun with the crew. Or even just support the show for a little buck a month. One dollar. Less than a cup of coffee. What are you waiting for? Join us. Join us or die. As always, thank you for being the greatest audience a horror film podcast could have. I'm some fat guy. And I'm Eugene. And I'm JL. We'll see you next week. And remember, thanks again. <laughs> <laughs>